Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Happy 200th episode, Ward. Happy 200th episode, Eric. I wish I had confetti. I wish I had poppers, uh, a brass band playing. Holy shit. I can't believe we've done 200. This is 200. Um, four years. I mean, we're basically almost to the day. Four years. It's a little shy of it. But and the 200 episodes, we actually may be a couple more than 200, but right, you know, right. there, but, there's a there's a couple that didn't transfer over. Right. But this is the 200th episode. And holy hell, do we have a big one today? And we're, we're going to save it because we got a lot to talk about, about what's going on with Indiana athletics right now. So let's hit all the major stories. But really. Thank you to you for starting this thing. Mm-hmm. And thank you to everyone listening for being here. Because without you, there would not be 200 episodes. We wouldn't get guests. We wouldn't have stuff to talk about. We wouldn't have people that would listen. So thank you for, for dealing with our lunacy for four years and for 200 episodes. It means so much to know that people, you know, look, even if you skip through this part and just get to the guest. <laughs> uh y- y- Whatever gets you here, keeps you here, has you coming back, it really is what fuels this whole thing. You know, these these legends, uh, or these contemporary players, they're not dying to talk to Warden Eric, but they know it's important and they want to to let the Indiana fan base know that they care too. They care enough to share their story and because you guys are listening, that's why they come on the show and we all get to know them better and appreciate their journeys that much more. So, so thank you everyone. And I do want to give a, a special shout out to, to, well, two listeners really. Um, as you know, my family and I went to Tennessee for sort of like a, a history music, American history tour. Uh, and we were in Nashville at the famous Hattie B's uh hot fried chicken which one did you go with which spice um i went with just like regular hot because okay. they, they've got like one that's just insane yeah yeah and we were looking at the menu and i'm always like i'm i'm definitely gonna go like always usually at those places first time do like the second hottest okay. not from the top Good. the second hottest from the bottom okay got it got it 
Um, but we're sitting there waiting for our food and we're right by the front door and I'm looking on the ground and the door opens and a shoe steps in and it's an Adidas Ultra Boost. And I'm like, I know that shoe. Yes. I have that shoe. So then I look up and sure enough, on the man's head is an IU hat. And I just go, there's a Hoosier. And he turns and he looks at me and he does kind of the double take and he goes, oh, oh, Ward, I listened to you. <laughs> and that first, that look of recognition in his eyes was like, oh, did we have class together? Did I, do I know him? Uh, but then it's immediately apparent he listens to the show. His name's Brandon Hillenberg, and he and his wife, Crystal, and their two daughters were on their way up from Florida, where they live, going to an IU game in Bloomington. Oh, God, they're I love that. They're stopping in Nashville, I think, for the night. Yeah, they were staying at The Graduate, just like my family and I did there in Nashville. And, um, and so while they're waiting in line, we're waiting for our foods. We're just talking, having a great talk. And the best part is... My family has never been back to Bloomington with me since we started this <laughs> podcast. So they're all just in disbelief that dad has been recognized like in Bo, Nashville, in Nashville, and, and not Nashville, Indiana. No, no, Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee. And so just the look at my daughter's face and she's in middle school, you know, now and dad is not cool. But right. I, I thanked Brandon and his wife, Crystal, like, thank you so much for making my family like appreciate that people actually do listen to this show. That is phenomenal. And I want to give a special shout out to a guy who has first started as a friend of ours because he listened to the podcast because he loves Indiana basketball and loves Indiana athletics and the history of it. And his family has been around it and part of it in some ways for many, many years, and then became a partner of ours and made possible this podcast truthfully going forward. And that of course is Evan Martin from community cars, because we are, Powered by communitycars.com, sponsor of the pod, Hoosier Hysterics, communitycars.com, Hoosier Legends, talk with Warden Eric, I realized I bungled the intro a little bit there, yeah. but I do want to just say on this special 200th episode, Evan has just been a supporter of ours from the beginning. He has been a fan of the podcast. He has supported us with his connections within Indiana University and, and helped us there. He clearly is our partner, our, our title partner here um, for the podcast. And Evan is what the company is. Evan is honest. He is reliable. He's pleasant. He's <laughs> a good dude. And all of those things, and he's family first, he cares deeply about Indiana, and all of those things are reflected in their companies, and all of them are reflected in community cars. And and if you're going to buy a car, which, you know, after the first of the year, I think is like a big buying time, because I think most of the time in winter, people are looking at their money for gifts for the kids, mm -hmm. but then you got to get a car. If you're going to get a car and you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a favor and either call community cars, go to communitycars.com or stop into a dealership. If you're in Bloomington, they'll ship you the car. They will make it hassle free for you. We've had several people who have gone through the process, some from Alabama, some from New York, some from California, and of course those in Indiana, and all of them have had an amazing experience. 
So just a thank you to Evan and his incredible family and, and the entire Community Cars family. Well, and when you talk about community, we're obviously hyper-focused on Indiana University and the athletic department and programs, but Evan's just a man of Bloomington. His family is so Bloomington. Uh, you know, he's he's on the board for Constellation, which is such a cool arts um, uh, effort there. I think Angelo Pizzo's also on the board with him. Yep. And it, when when you're giving them your business, you're not only doing yourselves a favor, you're you're just buying into this community that it there's very few families like the Martins who who keep it all together, the town, the university, the fan base. And it is it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to get to know him and to be supported by him because, you know, they were there way before we were. Like, you know, his dad, his dad was was helping out Coach Knight and the program before we were a twinkle in our parents' eyes. And um, it is it's very meaningful and not a privilege we take lightly to have been welcomed in and, you know, to have not been kicked out of that community yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now let's get into the current state of IU athletics. Number one, IU soccer is in the Elite Eight. It's what they do. I think I read that they've they are they have made the elite eight 28 times out of 50 seasons uh, it's like unprecedented right i mean clearly going by like that measure and any other measure it is the most successful athletic program in iu history and one of the most successful athletic programs at any university ever yeah without question I will not watch this game, or I'll do so with one eye, because when I watch IU soccer, we do not win the games. So th there's that. Congrats to them. Let's kick some ass. The IU football season is mercifully over. Um, it ended in as horrific a way as it could possibly end, with yes. the only ray of hope, the only ray of hope, seemingly shattering his leg. That's what it seemed like. I don't know what they, they said. It was Tom Allen said after the game, it was a knee injury. I haven't seen any updates as of now, Monday. Um, depressing as hell. Purdue, we were in the game. We were winning the game. Um, and then Dexter Williams shatters his leg. And then Connor Bazelak comes in and proceeds to throw the football worse than Dog Cheney would throw the football. I mean, it was, it was, I, I'm sorry, but it was awful watching him throw the football. More awful because of the momentum you felt coming out of the Michigan State game. And it's like, especially when you see Penix lighting it up elsewhere, you're like, oh boy, what, what possible ray of sunshine could come into this season as soon as we were no longer bowl eligible. And there, there's this incredible comeback against Michigan State. And now we're like, we're, we're taking it to Purdue. And oh my gosh, we've got a quarterback who, like this, this is like we could play the modern style of football, like where the NFL is going. We got a guy who's just more dangerous right now on his feet, but certainly it seemed like you could see the, the game starting to slow down for him from the pocket. 
in real time. Sure. And and you're like, oh, I was ch- I was really checking out on IU football, but now it's drawing me back in. And here we go. We're gonna spoil the boiler season, and we're we're gonna have optimism going into next. And in one non-contact injury, boom, it's gone. And there's you know, the severity of this, it like, who knows even for next season with oh, this he young can't man. play next year. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but uh, he shattered his leg. I mean, that that is like, he'd be lucky if he can play. I mean, he's lucky if he can get back. That's the truth. These are really tough injuries. So I, I'm rooting for him, obviously, but I don't know. And we'll, we'll devote another podcast where we'll talk about this. I don't know where the football program goes from here. I mean, look, I do love Tom Allen. I love his energy. I love his positive approach. And the best possible thing for Indiana University football is for it to work under Tom Allen because you will not find a guy who wants Indiana to be his final stop with the energy and enthusiasm that Tom Allen has for Indiana football. He took us to two January bowl games. That had not happened before. We've now had two horrible seasons in a row. And it's hard to see where the light at the end of the tunnel is, but I want it to be Tom Allen figuring out where it is because I just don't think guys like that grow on trees for Indiana. And I'm not sure there's an easy solution to who's next. Well, Um, and and when you see who Nebraska just hired and who Wisconsin just hired, it's going to get even harder. Yeah. And, you know, and as the big the big conferences will now truly dominate the uh, landscape of college football in in a way they never have before. And, and look, the Big Ten and the SEC have already been, you know, with some Big 12, been pretty dominant for a while. But now you're just going to have the Big Ten and the SEC who can play pay coaches, you know, NFL salaries. And um, Indiana needs to figure out how to not get left totally behind i totally agree all right let's talk about women's basketball so indiana women's basketball is one of the best teams in the country right now they are ranked five or six in the polls although i haven't seen the new polls i don't know if they moved up this week but the big story with indiana women's basketball to recap it if you missed it over the weekend was indiana was invited to play in something called the las vegas invitational at the mirage casino in vegas this is one of these pre-conference tournaments the likes of which we've seen a lot of on the men's side teams like auburn and memphis were part of it and indiana was invited and indiana was really the marquee team in this tournament i was excited to watch it i it was not on regular broadcast television or cable television it was on this, this platform called Flow Sports, which is a shitty, shitty streaming platform. But whatever, it was on, so I watched it. And within seconds of seeing the game, I was appalled at the environment that the team was playing in, that all the teams at this invitation were playing in. They were playing in a Mirage ballroom, which, by the way, that's not the problem. Like, you know, there, there are tournaments that have been held in huge hotel ballrooms. Battle for Atlantis is in a ballroom. That's we, where it is. We we saw IU uh, men's basketball play in a ballroom. Uh, what was the hotel? The, well, uh, in are, are you talking about the, the one you and I went to in Vegas? No, that you, wasn't a ballroom. That was an arena. Was it? That was I the thought, Orleans Arena. That was an arena. Well, it wasn't that, a very nice We one. sat in real seat in in stadium seats, arena I, seats. I, I thought they had to put the floor down. It well, doesn't matter. No, I mean, they probably it's not a basketball arena, but it's an arena. OK, um, but this th- this is a ballroom, <laughs> you know, like you can have a bar mitzvah here and a <laughs> wedding and, and a convention. And and they've done that, I'm sure. But but that happens a lot. 
The battle for Atlantis at the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas is in a ballroom, a similar thing. The difference is that when any of these tournaments do it, they wrap it in like pipe and drape, which is just simple black. The, the, the simplest thing to do is black drape so that you don't see the exit signs and the doors leading into the next connecting ballroom and the horrible carpet. And the I mean, it's just awful. You They would bring in video boards that would have a replay of the game or they would have graphics out there to, to make it look modern and cool because how you present the product is important, especially when you're presenting women's basketball, which has been on a upward trajectory over the last 40 years, but they fight for the attention that they can get. And Indiana's basketball program is clearly on the uptick. Look and at attendance such, numbers. Look and at, it's look such, at, a, such a fun brand of basketball to watch, IU women's basketball in particular. Yes. And whoever the promoter was for this event promised the teams, including Indiana, a whole bunch of crap that he did not deliver on. He promised that it was going to look like so-and-so. It didn't look like so-and-so. It was awful. And I tweeted it out, and a lot of people tweeted it out, and it got a lot of attention over the weekend. ESPN ended up running a main page story on it with Terry Moore in quotes, talking about how this was a giant missed opportunity and that Indy, that that the women's college basketball has an obligation to promote their game in the right way and present it in the right way. And this didn't do that. It was a giant miss. It is disrespectful to the programs. It is disrespectful to these players. These players were told Ward that the event didn't have hand towels for them. So they were told to bring the towels from their hotel room down to the court. It was a con job. It was a con job. That's exactly right. It was a grift. And the guy walked out with money in his pocket and the women walked out with an experience that they would soon like to forget because they were treated less than. It's not about, I'm not trying to make the case that this should be presented in the same way as an NBA game or even the battle for Atlantis. I understand the finances very well of production and men's basketball versus women's basketball. But if you're going to do an event like this, Treat the teams and the players with the minimum respect and dignity. And this didn't do that. And it pissed me off, and it still pisses me off. And I'm glad that Indiana got two wins, and I'm glad that Terry Morin spoke out about it. I am devastated that Grace Berger hurt herself in the first game. Devastated. Because this team doesn't deserve it. I mean, this program doesn't deserve it. Grace doesn't deserve it. We don't know the severity of the knee injury. It looked bad at the time. Then there were some reports afterwards that there's some optimism within some of the circles around the team that maybe it was just a sprain. Regardless, Grace didn't play in those two games, and Indiana still won by double digits against Auburn and Memphis. But we know we know how important luck is for great teams to fulfill their expectations. Our guest today, there's no greater example of that. And you just we all just need to put out the best possible vibes towards towards grace and bloomington that that this won't be one of those seasons and great teams that were like ah if that hadn't happened like let's hope for a speedy recovery and she's back at full strength in short order totally agree and it's already been said that indiana will not be going back to this event of course yeah i just hope that they ask the right questions for the next event because we should be playing in these events we should be playing against the best teams in the country and they should be treated with dignity and respect and they weren't so let's move on past that 
And now let's talk about Indiana men's basketball. Yes. The good news. The good news. The AP poll just came out. We are ranked 10th in the country. Top 10 team. We are a top 10 team. Now, there has been a tremendous amount of movement in the polls. Not a good week for opponents of Indiana. North Carolina, which is the game coming up in tomorrow by the time this airs. Yeah. Build is the biggest game of in a decade. Well, we are now playing the number 18th ranked team in the country, North Carolina, <laughs> who lost two games, one against an unranked Iowa State team, who is now ranked 23rd, and one against Alabama, who is ranked 11th. Uh, the Alabama game was a four-overtime game. North Carolina didn't look that good. They have a lot of talent, but they don't look that good. You know, I just don't put a lot of stock in those preseason polls except for that except ours except for ours Uh, (laughs) that's all about optics that's about what the where the program is viewed to be at in the eyes of the nation and and for for North Carolina to your point of their experience in the tournament last year combined with the talent they have on their roster right now uh, if if anybody's thinking this is less of a big game to prove where we are as a program at this point in the season um, and, and that somehow that's diminished, I would take issue with that. I would like, no, we're we're still playing against a team that has been there very recently um, and in all likelihood could get right back to where people expect them to be. Uh, so, like, let's not start breathing easy. I'm sure our players won't, our coaches won't. I'm not worried about that. But we as fans don't start dancing on the grave of North Carolina before they show up tomorrow. No, all I would say is it's a top 20 game against a non-conference opponent. We only have four good games against non-conference opponents. And now just win it. I mean, like win the game. Like yeah. this is a game now that Indiana will be expected to win. Whereas before, I think it was a game that was like a toss up. Yeah. I think now after the first few weeks of the season, people are like, no, North Carolina and Indiana are at least even and Indiana is playing at home. So you got to win this game. You do. Um, the team, you know, we had Brian Evans on last week, filling in for you. And, and he gave a, a pretty good um, recap of, of, of the players. What's interesting is Jalen Huchifino is not playing very well right now. I mean, he is not, he's shooting the ball about 30% for the year. He's making good passes, but he's also turning it over the last couple of games, a little bit more than we thought his shot isn't falling the way that, that, that it was in the exhibition games. We'll see. I, I do think also he's not shooting enough free throws. He's relying too much on the jump shot. He yeah. should be using his six foot five frame strength and athleticism to get to the hole and force the issue. Um, that that seems like where he's going to make a lot of money is is doing that. So I want to see that continue. But man, it's a marquee game. It is the marquee game of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which by the way is over this year. It's done. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Announced that is done. This is the last year of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So let's go out with a win against North Carolina. To me, the big question mark. Uh, is what it's been for years at IU and it's shooting it's outside shooting I think you know whether we have we have two plus guys who can handle the ball and run the offense we've got several dudes down low um, two of which can score seemingly at will and so this team to reach the heights we expect it to reach Big Ten Championship 
make a deep run, maybe even a Final Four team. Like, it's it's going to be two things. One, of these guys who have shown flashes, who will consistently hit from, like, 15 feet and beyond? Like, X is looking really strong. Miller, I'd still like to maybe have him get a couple more opportunities. Those those are the two guys that you're like, I'm pretty sure those guys can hit, you know, in the high 30s, 40-ish. But is the scoop we saw in the last game, like that shot, look, not to compare him in any way, shape, or form overall to those two players, but in terms of the way that jump shot looks, the release, the 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 trajectory, the way it goes through the net, that's like Kobe Michael stuff. Like to me, to me, that's like what his body looks like as he's taking those shots and the way the ball goes into the hoop. But look, like it's consistency, right? Like yeah, he's got to do it. Good to see him do it against, uh, you know, a a uh, let's say a road weary Jackson State team, a terrible team. I mean, yeah, terrible. but what are we going to be able to rely upon? And and you look at what the team is averaging over these games. And and it's fairly spread out with quite a few guys around eight, nine points a game. And there can be a real strength in that, in that depth. But when you need somebody besides X or Trace, um, you know, maybe Malik. Malik, yeah. Who outside those three do you really feel like they could get us 15 tonight when we need it? Because, you know, like, yeah. like so it's like it. we need. Well, I still think you've got Trace, Malik. X, Jalen, Tamar, Miller. Yeah, but in terms of Jalen, Tamar, and Miller, am I they haven't been re- consistent? Am I really that confident that you know a couple of them will show up every night, or uh, you know? And so then, if if our ceiling for shooting is we're we're a, uh, a decent shooting team, we're not great, but we're we're decent. We could be okay so long as we're closing out on other teams. Uh, at the perimeter because we're going to be so vulnerable to teams that can light it up from the outside. It still seems to me in a given night, if some team gets hot from three and we can't slow them down by closing out properly, we could lose yeah, our any defense. Given night. Our defense has been somewhat disappointing so far. It's giving up a lot of open looks from three, but by the way, real quick on three point shooting Miller cops so far this year is shooting 52%. X is shooting 66.7%, and Tamar is shooting 38.9%. And those are the three guys taking the most number of shots. You know, between the three of them, they've taken, let me see here, 18, 43, 55 threes between the, the three of them. So, but I also think when you make them is important too. And what's happened a lot in these games is we're missing a lot in the first half. And then we rack a bunch up. Totally. If you do that against North Carolina, good luck coming back from that hole. You know, I I just don't think you want to get in that hole. So you got to make shots consistently in the first half to get some momentum or to prevent when we go into Kansas, if they get rolling and we don't hit shots, they're going to bury us like that. I worry about that. It's like an NFL team that, like, you, you know, is uh, primarily – not primarily. No team can be a primary running team, but a very uh, balanced – Except Tennessee. Except for like Tennessee. That, right? Yeah. 
Um, but it's not like they're a great team. They're just the right. best team in a shitty division. Um, is th- it's so hard to catch up, like right. by by feeding it down to Trace. No matter no matter how many twos he gets, it's really hard to pull yourself out of ten or fifteen point deficit against the team that can hit from the outside. And look, to have two of our starters shooting that well, and you know, usually maybe the second guy off the bench. You know that if those three guys can keep around forty percent this year, that that's maybe all we need. Oh, but- it. it, it- I mean, look, Ward, on the year right now, we're shooting 38.3% from three. We're 39th in the country. Yeah. The average is 33.3. That's the highest ranking we've had since the Tom Crean teams. And our our free throw percentage is what, around 71% or something? We're 71.9. We're 140th. We're just a little bit above average there, but not hurting us, not hurting us. But I could see that going up a little bit. The, but, but the big that, issue on three-pointers is we just don't take many. You know, our point yeah. distribution from threes is, is I think we're ranked, yeah, 328th in the country on how many we take. So yeah. to your point, you have to shoot twos at such a crazy rate, and luckily Trace has been doing that so far. But when <laughs> you're playing 98% against, from the field. <laughs> right. But when you're playing against Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson and those guys, is that going to stay the case? Here's the other thing happening in basketball. Turdue is good. Turdue is better than anybody wants them to be. And in the latest poll, they jumped to fifth in the country. That sucks. They have more quality wins than anyone in the country right now. And the truth is they got eight first place votes, which tied with like Houston got the most. And then they tied with, I think, Arizona or something. Um, but hold but on look, one second. look uh, it, it sickens me to talk about. Purdue being ranked fifth in the country, especially when they weren't supposed to be that good. I hate it. But for somebody I've, who grew up in the 80s and, and into the 90s, it's like, yeah, I mean, F Duke, F North Carolina, let's have like two better programs in in the best rivalry in the country being in the state of Indiana. Like, I, I don't hate on that, especially when we end up beating them this year. It's going to be that much sweeter. I can also give a piece of breaking news that I can only give because this will come out tomorrow. Okay. The news on Grace Berger is as good as it can get. Oh, that's wonderful. So I believe that by the time this airs, it will have already been discussed. But as of Tuesday, I believe the news is as good as it can be, which is I mean, that is everything for that program because as good as they played and they played well and they beat two tough teams, this team, this team rolls because of Grace Berger. I mean, she just controls the team. When you need a bucket, she pulls up from 16 to 18 feet and drills it. When you need to get to the hole, she gets to the hole. She just controls things. So that's great news. Um, I think I said on our text chain, Four of our next five games are against teams like in the top 30 Ken Palm. You know, North Carolina, we play Rutgers, we play Arizona, we play um, Nebraska. Uh, North Carolina, obviously. So North Carolina, Rutgers, Arizona, and there's one more that, that was a top team. Hold on, let me see. Oh, Kansas, of course. North Carolina, Arizona, Kansas, 
and Rutgers are four teams in the top 35 on Ken Palm. Arizona, Kansas, and North Carolina are all in the top 21. We're going to know a lot about this team. We're going to know a lot about this team in the next 20 days. We're going to know a lot about how good this team is right now. And what I love is um, I'm I'm optimistic on the results of these games. I think we can win the, let's say, the majority of them. You talk about these five, you throw a Nebraska in there, that obviously should be a win. Um, and win at least two, if not three of those other games, that's, that's what I'm planning on. But either way, coach Woodson and his staff and the players themselves are really going to know where they stand in December and we'll know exactly what they have to do to be ready come March for non-conference opponents. Obviously Rutgers is, is within the big 10 and we'll get lots of experience going up against those teams through January and February. But as far as different style of play, a higher level of talent, like nobody in the big 10, we'll see what Michigan's younger guys are, but like nobody in the big 10 has the kind of Joes, if you will, that Kansas and North Carolina and Arizona do. So that's going to be something too, where, Hey, maybe we're kind of feeling ourselves, especially uh, going against these cupcakes, but even against, you know, Xavier, where we clearly have more pure talent, that will not be the case in a bunch of these games. So we're going to learn what we need to do and improve on as a team to be able to take out other teams that have superior talent uh, when, when it's dancing time. It's our 200th episode. It really is. I think we should do another episode where we kind of do a retrospective on the 200 and talk about our favorite moments or or funniest moments because there's plenty of them. But before we go into our guest today, who is the perfect guest for our 200th episode, is there one moment that sticks out to you in just thinking back on the last four years that, that you want to just kind of bring back up and talk about for a moment? Well, I think it's the most obvious one, and it's for for – not so much the podcast. It just so happened that that we were the ones who put the thing together, and it did help put us on a a, a broader uh, awareness uh, across the Indiana fan base. But the Bluebird event was just such a special night for anybody. I'm sorry, afternoon uh, who cares about Indiana University basketball. And, and to me, that was the seismic event that obviously other huge things happened, like Coach Knight actually coming back for a game, like Scott Dolson hiring Mike Woodson. But for us early on, when we were not early on, up until late last season, uh, we, we had real terrible basketball to watch. So it was all about the legends and the legacy and the great seasons and in exploring that, diving into that, you could hear and feel and talk about the fracture that was caused 22 years ago when Coach Knight went away and how sad it was that we weren't one big happy family. Right. And and to just see the progress behind the scenes, and I think so much of it came with Coach Knight and and Karen and Dr. Rink and, and Bob Hamill and those around him saying, no, this is important for Coach. It's meaningful to him and to us, but also for the IU fan base to finally heal and to see that play out ever since the Bluebird event, I, I think to me is is 
uh, seminal in its importance. And then to, to, to then even be talking to players in real time over those years and to see how, especially when coach Woodson comes back and, and coach Knight came back to the game that the big, the big family finally got back together. That's what means the most to me as far as, Oh, did we help? Were we like a catalyst and really helping usher that in when clearly the, the clock was ticking for that to ever happen. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. And, and, and the podcast that we did on that, you know, which was a, a, both the event and all the interviews that we did at that event, and then a recap of it was so much fun to do because you kind of got the best of both worlds. You got the best of talking to a bunch of legends, everybody being together, and then our hijinks while in, in Bloomington. One that pops to my mind is Slick Leonard. Yeah. You know, Slick is a guy who is synonymous with the Indiana Pacers, but not the Indiana Hoosiers. And he should be. He won a national championship as a starting guard, Yeah, you know, for Indiana in 1953 and played for Branch McCracken in Branch's last national title team for Indiana. And he is such a ambassador for the game of basketball. He, He was, I mean, whether it was, you know, the ABA stuff and him and his wife running telethons to raise money to support the ABA and their team in the Pacers. And to then save the Pacers. To save them and then and then ushering them and then coaching them and then and then being one of the best teams in the ABA. And then and then becoming like the face of the franchise from a a a, a play by play and announcing, you know, um team. He's just such an important figure in basketball in Indiana. And we got to talk to him before he he passed. And um, I loved that conversation. He was so full of life when we got to talk to him and enthusiasm. And he was funny and told us great stories. And to have a little piece of that and to have Slick, who's such an important part of the history of Indiana University basketball, too, to be able to kind of pluck that out and forever it is there. Yes. Is is really special to to me and and I know to you. So that one just there there's countless ones, but that one just popped in my head over the last couple of days as I was thinking about doing our 200th. But here we are, the 200th, and when we found whatever sweet spot we have on these things, it was talking to the legends of Indiana University basketball, and they were there are plentiful names, and we've hit many of them, but there's a handful that, you know, we haven't been able to talk to. Some just don't like doing interviews. Some probably just don't like us. Yeah, I know know of one in particular. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I think we've thawed the ice there. Yeah, no, he would appreciate that joke if he heard. Yes, but this guy has been on our list from the jump. And my first text to this gentleman was two and a half years ago. (laughs) You have put in the time, my friend. And there have been countless texts and multiple phone conversations. And I think over the course of this conversation, you will understand, especially at the end, why it took so long for this to happen. And and it's for very respectable reasons. Well, I'll tell but, you what it was. It was because the first time he ever met us was in Cook Hall, and you terrified him. You <laughs> came on strong, bro. Real, it's the only <laughs> way I know how. Um, but there there is just no better guest than this gentleman to have for our 200th. He is an all-timer, and let's just let the people have it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to try to contain our our excitement, but it's pretty much impossible. This is one of the greatest to ever lace it up for Indiana University, one of our all-time favorites from our all-time favorite era. We've been waiting so long for this, and now we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because Eric has a laundry list that is absurd in giving you the detail of exactly who this man is and what his accomplishments are. Hailing from Morgantown, West Virginia, actually, which I did not know until the research for this. Same. By, by way of Brebuff High School in Indianapolis, where he scored 2,419 points in high school. He is 14th all-time on the Indiana high school scoring list. He took his team Brebuff to the state title game his senior year. He was a USA Today and McDonald's All-American. And then, of course... He matriculated at Indiana University, where he is the seventh all-time leading scorer with 1,979 points. He averaged 23.5 points per game in his senior year, the most of any player in the Bob Knight era. He is the number one rebounder of all time at Indiana with 1,091. He had games of 20, 19, 17, and 16 rebounds. He is number five all-time in steals. He had five steals in five different games. He is number two all-time in blocks. He is number 12 all-time in field goal percentage. He is number five all-time in free throws made. Number three in double-doubles. Number three in 20.10 rebound games. He is the only player in the history of IU that finished his career in the top five in scoring, rebounding, blocks, and steals. He was all Big Ten. He was all American. He was academic all Big Ten. He is an IU Hall of Famer. He was named to the Indiana All-Century team. He won a Big Ten title. He went to a Final Four, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. He played in the bronze medal game of the Goodwill Games in 94, where he scored 17 points and 12 rebounds, averaged 10.2 and 7.2 during that run, beat Russia in the bronze medal game. He was a first-round draft pick. He played 12 years in the NBA. He was the NBA's most improved player. I mean, my God, he is one of the best players that we've ever had the pleasure of rooting on at Indiana University. And for our 200th episode, it gives me nothing but great pleasure and honor to welcome the great Alan Henderson. Thank you. Thank you. I've forgotten about some of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with when you hear that list, does anything stick out in particular to you? Is there any one accomplishment you're most proud of or something that sparks something in your head? I don't know if there's any one thing that, that, that stands out, I guess. Like I said, I really did forget some of that, some of that stuff. <laughs> but uh, I think it's just um, – just a testament to how much I love the game and how long I was able to enjoy it and, and play in all those different settings and, you know, and have different experiences where I played different roles on different teams, but just all the while enjoying, enjoying the game. So I guess it's just, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's why I have all these aches and pains right now. I played a lot of games. <laughs> uh, well, Alan, just to get us all caught up to speed, let us know, where you're at now, what you're up to, just what's a day in the life of Alan Henderson these days? A day in the life, probably pretty similar to a lot of people's. Uh, I um, We're back up. Uh, when I got done playing, I finished um, in Philly. And then uh, we were down in uh, in Naples, Florida area for a while. 
I'd had a, we'd had a place down there since uh, when I was when I was in Atlanta actually. So we were just down there. I was kind of working out, seeing if I was going to play another year or not. We ended up staying down there for, ended up not playing. We stayed down there for probably five or six years, I guess, after I got done. And then we ended up coming back up to Indianapolis. And uh, so we're back up here now. Um, this, this is my wife and four kids. I have three boys and one girl. So, like I said, I'm probably doing a lot of the same things everybody else does in the morning, getting, getting up, getting kids ready for school, taking kids that missed the bus, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the usual. Then running them kids back and forth to different activities, sports. and. What is the um, age different what, what, from oldest to youngest? What's the age? Yeah, my oldest, um, my, my boy, um, uh, Jacob is 15. Uh, Joshua's 13. Let me see here. Brooke is 12. <laughs> and... Uh, Jonah is 11. There you go. I won't ask you for birthdays. I won't go that yeah. far. I won't go I that get far. Them all. It just takes me a second to, to, to get them out. But yeah, they're always changing every time. Sometimes there's like three in a row and then a year, then my oldest. And yeah. then sometimes there's one, then a year, then two, then a year. But so, so right now, um, they're sitting nice for me right now, 11, 12, 13, and then 15. Do, now, do so, we have any ballers in the group? You know, they're pretty active. Um, you know they enjoy just just sports, and uh, I, I don't I don't know if anybody's gonna be be good enough to play at the next you know the next sure. level or any, anything like that. But I guess right now we're just looking at working on getting getting on some high school teams, and you know, and just kind of going step by step and seeing seeing what seeing what happens there. Sure. Um, my oldest, um, he did play freshman basketball last year, but unfortunately he got cut this year uh, from his Ooh. JV tryouts at Brebuff. Oh, and um, I was gonna ask. Yeah, that one hurt. I was. Yeah, we were pretty disappointed about about all that, and um, yeah, we could probably yeah. do another podcast on that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know, but he's a uh, he's a great kid. He also did uh, JV golf last year, so he'll be he'll be playing some golf, and uh, and I'm hoping that it'll, that'll keep working at it, maybe go back out again next year, and just uh, you know, it's one one of those lessons where you know sometimes things don't go your way. You you know keep working at it and see what happens if you if you, if you love it and want to do it again. Uh, my other ones uh, they do all just different sports: basketball, soccer. Just they play some baseball. Uh, um, just whatever, would, whatever's going on. So we'll see which one they if there's a sport that they really love or sure or if they, if they get good at it. But who knows? But they're staying active. They're all great kids. Um, pretty much. Uh, you know, like straight A students and nice kids. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really proud of them anyway. And, um, and, and whether they play sports or not. And I always, I always tell them, and I'm half kidding when I tell them, but I'm really not kidding. I tell them, Hey, whether you play or not, doesn't matter. You guys, you guys can own the team. You can, you can pick the player. You can decide <laughs> who's playing. You know, you can, you know, so there's all kinds of ways to be involved. So that's right. Know, we'll see what happens. That's uh, right. I enjoy playing with them. I think I've, I think I've coached. Except for my youngest one, I've coached a little bit, all of them, um, in just some, you know, rec leagues and that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, my daughter, I was actually the assistant coach uh, to my wife. She was the head coach. I was the assistant <laughs> coach on her team one year. So, but it's fun. It's like I said, I'm doing, doing, doing what people do, you know, with kids running around and really enjoying that. Um, Business-wise, yeah. Um, up here, I started, uh, I've been up here in Indianapolis doing some different real estate and I've done different just businesses over just over the years, even when I was playing down in Atlanta, at one point in time, we had a recording studio down there. We put out records and we sold like a hundred thousand independent records. We we're in billboard wow. and all that for that. And awesome. um, kind of at the forefront of that, that music uh, industry. And uh, 
we had some people come through our studio and come out of our organization actually that, that have done great. I mean, the the greatest out, out of our group is the guy, they call him Coach K, Kevin Lee from Indianapolis. He runs um, uh, quality, uh, quality music down there in Atlanta and they have some of the biggest, I mean, acts all over like little baby and the Migos and all of those nice. guys. Those are these big time. So I'm really happy for, for his success. Another Indianapolis guy. But so we had that, we did some, um, um, we had some smoothie Kings at one point in time. Uh, I do real estate. I mean, I just try lots of stuff and I, but what I really, um, found myself into the last few years is my spirits company. So I have right. Henderson spirits group, um, that I started just trying to, um, bring some more diversity. My company's mission is to diversify the bar. And so I just want to tell tell some different stories, um, show some different people on the label that look more like me, and just get some uh, a variety in the liquor in the liquor store on the shelves and in the bars instead of just the same similar stories that you know Caucasian men or tell, telling kind of similar stories. I said, man, it's got to be somebody out there had to do something that looked like me. So I went and found these <laughs> stories of uh, uh, people that did kind of unexpected things at unexpected times. I like to say, and. Um, so uh, we have a couple of products out there. We have a brand called Birdie Brown uh, that we launched in uh, 2020. Um, who, she was an African, African-American lady that homesteaded out in Montana. So we have a wheat whiskey um, and her an unaged one and a straight wheat one coming here at the end of this year, uh, uh, a wheat whiskey. And then we have another brand, Tom Bullocks, that launched in uh, 2021 at the end. Um, we have a burnt orange bourbon and an old Tom gin with sweet lime. And uh I've done some tastings different places, signed quite a few of them for some IU fans. And uh, <laughs> so they've been, uh, they really uh, supported us. But we're in seven states and we'll probably double that this year. And, um, you know, you can find us on most of the major, most of the major liquor stores. And Or uh, or they need to go in, if your bar, if your local bar doesn't have it, you yeah. need to tell the bartender to start. Yeah, ask them about it. We're getting in a lot. Yeah, we're, we're making that on-premise push now. We're getting in a lot, of, lot more restaurants and um uh, in bars and um, so and you you can find us on shelf New York New Jersey, uh, California, uh, Florida, Indiana, Kentucky, and we're going into we're just now uh, trickling into Georgia, which I'm excited about. There you go, sure. Henderson HendersonSpiritsGroup.com. People can mm-hmm. go to the website and check out everything you're doing there. Um, is there a website? Are, are you in any of the online liquor retailers? Can people buy your your bottles uh, and have them yeah. shipped? Yeah, you can. Uh, we use reservebar.com. Okay. Uh, they ship usually between like 30, 35 states, depending on uh, what's going on at the time, if they if we sold out of anything or not. But usually usually they're a pretty good source for it. And then uh, Total Wine and more, you can order from there. Um, you can usually find us on Drizzly. And, uh, That's great. Yeah, most of, most of the, uh, the, the main places you can find us. Just great. to circle back to now living in Indianapolis with your mm-hmm. kids. Have your kids been exposed enough to what you did in Indianapolis and in Bloomington that they think you're cool yet? Uh, I don't know if that's why they think I'm cool, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of, they kind of are starting to get it now that they're, that they're older. I don't think they got it at all. Um, when they were younger and, uh, you know, when I'm trying to teach them, tell them stuff, or especially when I'm trying to teach them stuff about the game that sometimes I think they question if I know what I'm talking about when they were younger. It's like, right. But I'm like, guys, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about here. If you listen to me, I could, probably, I could probably set you guys up for some pretty good success. But uh, no, I think they get it. I think they are, are, are happy. They smile, you know, when people say stuff about me, we were at the, uh, uh, we went to our first Colts game in a couple of years, just uh, 
uh, last last week and ran into some guys there that were talking about basketball. It's funny. I ran into a group of guys. It was uh, um, Woody Austin from Purdue and Lyndon Jones. <laughs> from oh Hayes. wow! So it was like so it was like a you know a little basketball, a lot of ba- a lot of points in that little group right there. So yeah, no um, kidding. I was telling my kids about about Woody and Lyndon, and was uh, telling Lyndon and and telling them all he did. And Lyndon was trying to tell my kids, "Hey, your dad was doing this." So it's kind it's kind of neat just for them to hear. Um, you know, they know, and I think when they hear from other people, they kind of, kind of get a little bit more. Well, totally. let's, uh, let's jump in the time machine, if you don't mind, and go back to you as a kid and mm-hmm. how you found or the game found you. When did Alan Henderson and basketball become a thing? It's mm, a good question. Um, how, you know, I have memories of being in Cleveland and, uh, it's funny in my in my memories it was this uh nice little basket out behind the house on like a little patio area. It wasn't a basketball area, but it was somewhere we could shoot baskets and you know, in my head it was like a half court, you know, some huge <laughs> huge place or something I was shooting on. Um in reality, just go let's go back on I when I I played for Cleveland in my second to last year. Uh, it was LeBron's third year, it would have been my um to see 2005-2006 season. And I said, you know what? I'm going to drive by that house that I was in when I was little. I'm going to go see what it looks like. So I remember the address. Uh, it was probably the first address I ever learned. I had to know so I could get right. home. And I remember that street. And I remember another street we weren't allowed to cross and all this other kind of stuff. So I found the house, looked at it. I was like, man, that was the house? I thought, <laughs> I, I thought it was like a huge yard and a huge patio in the back. I'm like, where was how do we even get a hoop back there? It's like, you know, but, but even when you're little, it seems big. So, but so, yeah. so yeah, my first memory was just shooting on that, on that basket right there. But um, it wasn't, I don't think it was like, I was like, okay, this is what I'm only thing I'm going to do because we'd also, I remember also being in the backyard with, with baseball bats and everything else and, and uh, just playing. And we moved to um, uh, Indianapolis. I remember, you know, back then we did that. We, it was, we kind of did what the season was, you know, we played, right. you play foot, you play football, then you play basketball, then you play baseball, you know, maybe you mix in some soccer every now and then and just, you know, summertime, you wouldn't do anything, you know, just, and just whatever the kids in the neighborhood were doing, whatever you were playing, it was, you know, done that training in the AU and all this, you know, special workouts and all that kind of stuff. It was just kind of just playing and staying active and just enjoying what you were doing. And I really, you know, I don't know, baseball, for a while, it was probably my favorite sport when I was oh. when I was younger. Uh, you know, I'm at home watching this week in baseball, and collecting cards, and probably had some good ones, but who knows what what happened to them? <laughs> who uh, was your team? Did you have a favorite team? You know, I, I usually would watch the Cubs, um, but only be, not because I was. You know, I, I went through all the teams and said, you know, this is going to be my team. It was like at home. That was the only game that would come on. It was there on WGN all the WGN, time. WGN. Right. We start liking them. So I watched this. Hey, I like the Cubs, you know. So I had uh, friends that would, that would go um, to the Reds games a lot. So so we'd have conversations so, about that. But when you were a kid, does that make you like, were you a Ryan Sandberg, yeah, Andre yeah, Dawson? Andre Dawson. Yeah. Mark Grace. Guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I grew up in St. Louis. I was a Cardinals fan, but the Cubs were our rivals. So, like, uh, I knew okay. every one of them, and yeah. I would trade cards and always want to get rid of my Ryan Sandberg cards. I'd oh, always want to get rid of the valuable ones for guys yeah. that nobody had heard of on the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah that's a real fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, so we played that, that kind of thing. So, and, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I just like being active and like playing and like shooting and, uh, 
you know, I had cousins that played. Uh, my cousin, I had a cousin that was Mr. Basketball in Michigan back in, I think it was 80. Uh, 1980, he ended up going to University of Michigan. So I remember we, we would watch him play. We'd go up there and watch him play a lot. And, that, you know, we thought that was kind of cool. And, you know, we'd get to go to the games and around the court after the game. You know, it was all neat just being around it. But I just like competing. So I, I felt the same way about baseball and, right. and whatever, whatever else I was playing. So when uh, do you remember a moment, a game, a season where you were like, huh, basketball? Mm-hmm. I think I think this is where my future's at when when you made that decision. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I don't know why my wife and I were talking about it the other day, but I was talking we were talking about um, I don't know, maybe somebody was traveling. I think I think maybe one of my kids traveled or something. We were talking about traveling. I was like, you know what? I used to travel a lot, too. And uh, I remember playing, I might've been, I think it might've been like third grade. And um, my coach was Billy Shepard. And um, it was like a YMCA thing. And I remember I would get the ball and I would just take off. And then I would dribble and then they called travel. <laughs> I get it again, I take off and I dribble. So then I remember a couple of projects, they're like, listen now, you just dribble before you start moving your feet. I was like, all right. So it went to the real extreme where I wouldn't even move my feet. I would start dribbling. And then I'll start moving, you know, so, but I remember that plan, but I was, what I told my wife about that experience was, you know what, I remember that traveling, but I also remember getting all the rebounds. Like, I remember that time I could already get all the rebounds, you know, and I was kicking them out to Scott Shepard, who was shooting all the balls. His dad was a coach and he's a great shooter, all that, but, but still I was getting all the rebounds. So I remember playing there and I kind of played the whole way up um, uh, with the YMCA. And, um, but as far as when I was like, Hmm, this might be something I'd say, uh, I think I was I was 13 and how did that happen? Let me think how it happened. My 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 that that seventh grade year, um, which was my actually my second seventh grade, which is we can, that's another story. <laughs> so I broke my arm. Uh we, we were on a it was, I can't remember if it was lunchtime or what it was. Some point in time we were running around the gym, weren't supposed to be in there. We put like the gymnastics mats up. I could already almost dunk, but with the mats, I could do a lot of different things. So we put the mats up and kids were running. We were jumping. People were trying to dunk. I thought I was dunking, dunked a few. And I went up and dunked one and I was holding on and I was going too fast. My legs kept going and I lost my grip and just boom, fell right on my right arm. And I fell on the ground. I remember bouncing. I remember getting up and just my arm was just kind of like, I just grabbed it and kind of pulled down. I was like, uh-oh. And then the teacher came by. And was like, uh-oh, sit down, lay down. I, she probably wanted to say, what are y'all doing in here, blah, blah. She didn't go into all that. I remember <laughs> the ambulance came and got me and rolled me through the – it was a big deal. You know, all the kids, oh, ambulance, Alan's yeah. going on a special thing, you know. <laughs> and uh, the bad part was we were going to go to a tournament in South Bend. It was like the big deal. Every year we go to a tournament in South Bend. So I missed that. But I worked on my left hand and my right arm was broke. Mm-hmm. So when I got my cast off, I could do a lot more of my left hand than I could before. We had a state tournament with the team I was playing on called Indian Northside. And I think we got maybe, I don't know, we might have got third or fourth in the tournament. I can't remember what it was. But there was a group called Municipal Gardens. Yes. Out here in Indianapolis, who at the time pretty much, pretty much everybody in the state played for at some point in time. I mean, you know, like Lennon and Jay, I think they played. I remember seeing Sean Kemp at a practice one time and Damon Bailey and Montross, like all these guys, just Brian Evans, everybody kind of played through this, uh, through the system. And uh, so they won the state championship and they had a coach, this legendary AU coach, a guy named Red Taylor. And um, if the team that won the state at that time, you got to go to the national junior Olympic AAU tournament 
but you could pick, I believe it was two kids from the tournament to bring your team. So every state could do that. So he called me, he picked me to come be on his team. I was like, oh, he's like, you want to come? He had a real raspy voice. Yeah, you want you to come to the tournament with us? I was like, <laughs> sure. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, sounds good. So I've never been out of the state to play in them. I mean, we've been throughout the state, you know, we've been to Terre Haute and I don't know where else, maybe Elkhart or somewhere. We didn't, well, we didn't go out the state. It wasn't like that. We weren't traveling all the place. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. And it was in St. Louis. So we go down, I go down there with um, uh, Municipal Gardens. It's the 13 another national tournament. And we get in there and there's teams from everywhere, you know, New York, Michigan, Detroit, just from all over, all their state championship teams. And I'm seeing like Jalen Rose and Chris Weber and uh, Jamal Mashburn and uh, Grant Hill. And it's like all these guys from all over. Um, and I'm saying, man, these guys are pretty good. You know, we're playing, we're, we're beating some teams, playing against them, playing. And I'm like, hey, I'm not doing too badly myself out here. Like, you know, so I'm playing, we're playing against everybody. And I'm like, Okay, so we advanced through. We actually made it to the championship game, and we lost to Grant Hill's team on a um, a last second shot. Oh, and uh, oh man, it hurt. Yeah. So, uh, so they ended up winning. They won the tournament. We got second, and then I, but I was named to the All American team. And I remember when I left that tournament, I was like, man, these guys are like supposed to be the best players in the country, and. I, I did pretty well. Like, I mean, you know, I'm going to say I was the best, but I, I was hanging with everybody else. I was like, so in my head, I'm thinking if I can keep growing and keep hanging with everybody else, then at some point in time, I should have a chance to go pro too. If, if that's how it works I'm, in my head, that's just how I, that's how I rationalize in my head, you know? So we keep getting older and I stay at the top. I should be able to get back to this at some point in time. I started thinking, so I let, I really, I, I literally left that tournament saying, I think I can go pro. Wow. You know, you were, and people wow. were probably just like, yeah, whatever, man. I'll, okay, yeah. You played a tournament in St. Louis, but like, take it easy, man. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm right there thinking, but I remember thinking that, yeah, I, I think I can do it. I think I can go pro. And um, so I really, so that's the moment where I said, I could do this. Now, I still wasn't ready to give up baseball all the way yet at that point, but I still at that moment, I was thinking, I, I, I could go pro. And I credit Red Taylor, you know, just for, asking me to come play with them. It really just set me on a journey uh, with basketball and a journey with him. I played with him for several years after that and um, he passed away. Um, but uh, he was a coach that like made you feel like you could do anything. He was the first coach I had that was like, he wasn't just like, go stand on that box right there. Go stand on that block. You play inside and you do that. You know, he was like, Hey, Al, well, we're going to start you the two guard today. I said, really? okay, let's do it. You know, it's like, he was that kind of coach, even all the way throughout where he, he always wanted you to expand your game, try different things, um, work on being teammates. Cause you pretty much were playing with like all Indian all-stars on your team and people, everybody was going to college. Everybody was getting scholarships. So he really taught the teamwork and just all that kind of stuff. It was just a great, those were great summer experiences. You know, it's not like it is now with all the different, not saying the kids don't have great experience. I'm just not that familiar with it. They have a million tournaments and are always traveling here and there. It's just different. You know, back then we had really one big tournament in the summer and that was it, you know, and I don't know. It was a lot of fun. So I, yeah, yeah, that, the, but yeah, that tournament there, I knew I could do it after that. So you, you're 13 years old and you're already in your head thinking, all right, if I just stay up here, I'm going to get drafted at some point. But before yep. that, there's a big step and that's college. Mm -hmm. So as you start your high school career, your high school career is exploding. Mm -hmm. When does Indiana University come into the picture? 
when does Bob Knight enter your life? And what do you remember about your first encounter there? First encounter. You know, I don't even remember what my very first encounter was. I I had to think, I had to think about that. But I know I've been around him and been around Indian basketball. I used to go to basketball camp down there in the summers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I went to Indiana basketball camp. I also went to Purdue basketball camp. I just sure. go to I just go somewhere else. You know, you go for the week. I don't know if they still have it. You know, you spend a spend a night for four or five days or whatever, and you play basketball and stuff. And I remember that was probably my first interaction. That was definitely my first interaction with the coaching staff down there. I'd say like fifth, sixth grade. And um, I remember being uh, like coach at the time. Coach Knight would come talk to the kids every night. That's kind of how the that's how the camp ended. Uh, I can't remember what dorm some dormitory we go in. He'd come there and he'd give us a talk. Probably, and, uh, probably Briscoe or McNutt. That's where when I went to Bob Knight's camp, that's where we stayed because it was the closest to the field house where we yeah, played. Yeah, that's where it was, yeah, so it, it probably was one of those. And um, so I remember one night we were late. I don't know what we were doing. I mean, there's really nothing to do. We were just playing around. <laughs> we were late for it. And I remember Joe B. Wright. He met us at the uh, at the door, like me and my little group of, group of guys I was playing with, and he just ripped into us. You know, Joby's got a big booming voice too. You know, so he was into us. We're kids. We're like, you can't be late. Coach is talking tonight. You can't. Blah blah blah. And I can't remember what our punishment was. I don't remember if we had to run or if we had to do something. I can't remember what it was. We went in there. That was our first real interaction with the staff. So that's, how, <laughs> that's how that started. But um, as far as my first interaction with Coach Knight. I don't even remember. I, I can't even say what the first one was. I'm not, I, I really can't remember. But I know that by the time I was in, even in eighth grade, I was already getting like letters and people were starting to show up at the games and different things were starting to happen. So by the time, and I remember people, um, one guy told me he wrote a letter to Coach Knight saying, hey, I want to let you know about uh, this guy in Indianapolis named Alan Henderson. Coach Knight went back and said, we already know about him. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I guess they, I guess they already do. And then, um, yeah, and then th- throughout the high school experience, and I would have, you know, you'd be able to talk on the phone and all that. Sure. Kind of there was, uh, you, you did reveal this in another interview, but there was a conversation uh, with Coach Knight. I believe it had to do with, sprinting after practice that you said helped you sway you towards bloomington can you can you recount that for those who haven't heard that yeah so so we had a coach in high school mike miller and um at the time we always thought about oh man he thinks he's bobby knight he's like a little bobby knight you know he was tough on us he was really good coach we played great defense i mean we won a lot we won a lot but he was tough and after we ran a lot of sprints too after practice always running these five and 25s and run this and run that it was just a lot of running I was like, man, I hate running. I hate running sprints after practice. So one day I was having a conversation with Coach Knight, and we're talking about practice. You know, he's, you got any questions, blah blah. I don't know what he thought I was going to ask. I was like, you guys run sprints after practice? Like that was a very important question to me because I really was hoping that uh, I didn't want to have to do that anymore. I was like, I'm not really into running sprints after practice. It's just not my thing. Like I, I just don't like it. I mean, I'm, I just want to play. And um, so Coach said, no, we don't. We don't run sprints after practice. He said, no, I said, I expect you guys to practice so hard at the end of practice. You don't have energy to run sprints. If you have energy to run sprints after practice, he said, you didn't practice hard enough. I was like, hmm. <laughs> remember that one. I was like, okay. All right, well, thank you. You're, like, you're the first person to say that. So I was like, all right, so I kept that. Yeah, so. Nah, but, you know, I, I mean, I just remember having uh, – every time when we would talk, we'd have we'd have a good chat. And, you know, I would talk to um, – let's see, who would I talk to over there? I guess Doc Edge and – 
family. Yeah. Joby right before he left. And also, and um, yeah, but I remember coach also, one other thing that's, that helped me help coach also, he's talking about, um, I can't remember my dad asked, or I asked what position he was going to have me playing. And um, this is when he was at our house for, for, for the house visit. And, um, you know, back, I don't even know if it's like that now. I don't know how they do it, but we had the different, you know, different code kind of throughout the process. You have all these teams and you start to kind of whittle it down to who you want to maybe visit, who you want to have for home visits. So I think I had, I uh, can't remember how many I had, but I know I had Coach Thompson and uh, uh, Coach K and uh, see Coach Knight. I think Montgomery might have come from Stanford. I think I can't remember who else who else we had. I have to wow. I have to think. But I should have done some prep. I should have done some prep before this interview myself. No, but, no, no. We don't. We don't. No, yeah. no, no. no. Okay. We only want to be the yeah, ones so, doing so, prep. Yeah. So he said. Um, so he had to tell me what position he played. He said, you know, you're going to play forward, center, whatever. He said, well, you know, I just want to be a basketball player. He said, I want to learn how to play basketball. He said, we're moving around. We're doing motion inside out. That You might get introduced as a position, but he's just going to become, I want to make him a basketball player. So when I heard that and kind of combined that with um, the no spritz, they were off, uh, Indiana was, uh, they were, they were strong contenders. <laughs> now, now, of course, you had to be objective about what was best for your future. And when a school mm -hmm. like Stanford is calling, you got to consider mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. I wonder, were you a fan of IU growing up? Did you have IU gear? Or if not, was there another school? Uh, did that play into that decision? Uh, I was not a diehard fan. And as far as gear, I wore whatever someone gave me that fit. <laughs> so, you know, so if I, you might catch me in a Purdue shirt, a Michigan shirt, an Indiana shirt. It's like whatever, whatever I had, you know, um, my my little wardrobe selection was pretty limited. It was limited back then. I was growing so fast. So I just wore whatever I had as far as gear. But um, no, I always liked watching them play, you know, and. Um, but I also like Purdue and I like Michigan. I like the other, you know, I like the other schools and even back in uh, 87. Uh, when they're making that, that that when they made that run to the tournament, I was like, man, this is fun. You know, they're playing fast and offers getting forty and all this stuff. You know, they they it was pretty neat to watch. When they got to the championship game, I wasn't really rooting for them. I well, you know, I have to be honest. I like Derek Coleman. I really like Derek Coleman on Syracuse. He was my he was my like the the, the player I was kind of trying to model my game off of. Once wow. I started and kind of learned from, I was like, man, I like I could play like this guy. You know, oh. I like his number too. That's why I wore 44. I said, I like that number. Wow. I so I'm kind of rooting for him. But then I was happy when Steve went when the key smart made a shot. I was like, oh, I was pretty good. I happy for that. That was nice. But I was sad for I was sad for uh Syracuse and Derek Coleman. But but I remember watching that game at home. But uh so no, I wasn't a diehard. I was just I just like watching bat like watching basketball and Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh Derek Coleman was somebody you're modeling your game after. Anybody else, NBA or college, who was an influence on you as you were developing? Uh as I was developing, I mean, he was the main one. I mean, but then again, you're watching TV. I mean, everybody's watching Jordan, and you know, and on my wall I had Jordan and I had Ewing and I had Barkley. And uh those those are the main three guys, I think my posters. I liked all those guys. Oh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. I, those, that was pretty much. Those are pretty. Those were uh, posters that were on my wall as I was growing up. So I had. I was trying. I, they'd all do stuff that I wish I could do or wanted to do. Or in my head, I'd be like, I can do that, or I could. I could take you to the basket, or I could do this and that. You know, I was back. You know, I was in that. You know, recording 
you know, VHS recording time where I, I'd watch a game, I'd, be, I'd watch it, I'd record it, I'd go back and look and see what they play, whatever game it was, or halftime, I'd run outside and try to move, be like, hey, I just saw this guy do this move, I wonder if I could do this move too, or, oh, I think I could score on this guy, if I did this move, I could score on him, I'm watching games like that, you know, like, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, talking about, I could score on that pro, I could score on him, I could do that to him, you know, it's like, I mean, could I? Who knows? But in my head, I thought I should, <laughs> you know. You know, um, and I, you know, and I'll tell you where a lot of that came from also. You know, I hadn't thought about this in a while. Before, what year was that? It must have been before my, it's either before my eighth grade year. I think it was before, no, or before my ninth grade year. I think it was. We went to camp uh, with with um, with my good friend, Jason Williams, who who actually played at Notre Dame, was a shooter at Notre Dame. We went to camp at Georgetown. Cause that was another one of the teams I liked. So we went to summer camp out there. I had an uncle that lived out there in Maryland, still does. And he picked us up and took us from the airport and we went, went to camp there. Had a really good week. Um, met the coaches there and everybody, you know, I loved all them and, you know, I had a great, had a great time. And coach Thompson had things to say to my uncle when he picked me up, you know, I had a good time, but there was a, there was a day um, th that at that time, the Georgetown players would come play after the camp they come and the campers would just sit there and you got to watch them play you know and ewing was back and rich uh -huh. Williams and you know all these guys are you know and their current players like oh man you watching these guys like man that's great and then he came to me one day the assistant coach came to me and he was like hey alan you want to play with them tonight i was like yeah you know like without hesitation <laughs> so i didn't know if it was like a you know a test right or, were you serious or were you just seeing what i was going to say because i was like yeah you know, I want to play, <laughs> you know, now was I, I mean, I'm probably at the time I'm probably, you know, I don't know, six, four or five and like, you know, 150, 60 pounds. Like, you know, I mean, I really, I mean, I don't know what I thought I was going to do out there, but I was going to go out there and do something, you know? <laughs> and um, so I got in the game and I got the ball. And to this day, I don't know if he let me do it. I don't think he did, but I scored a jump hook on Ewing. Oh, and the whole man. went crazy. Like all the kids were like, you think it was the game winner? I don't know what else happened that game. I don't know how many shots I missed. I don't know if my shots got blocked. I don't know if I got dunked on. I don't know anything else that happened. All I know is that I ran to the payphone after we got back to the dorm. <laughs> oh, I scored on Ewing, blah, blah, blah. And I got a witness. You know, Jason Williams, he can witness it. He was here, you know, I'm not lying. So every time I told that story, he could back me up. But yeah, no, so I, I do remember that. But um, so I get, think it's just moments like that where you see yourself on the court with the pros or you're envisioning yourself with the pros, it just really gives you a lot of confidence. Yeah. Well, look, um, it's a pretty special time when you get into your sophomore, junior years of, of high school for Indiana basketball. Mm -hmm. oh, there yeah. is, there is, I mean, obviously coming off of the 87 title, but then also coming off of the Jay Edwards years oh, yeah. where they won a big 10 title and Jay's one of the best ever. And then this huge recruiting class, you know, mm -hmm. the famous recruiting class with Cheney and the Grams and, and mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. And then following up with Damon Bailey. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it comes to you. Mm -hmm. Things have certainly changed. And if somebody like you and how good you were made a commitment today, there'd be a ticker tape parade and a live satellite feed to your commitment. What do you remember about when you actually did commit to Indiana? And do you remember the moment where you did decide it's going to be Indiana? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it might've been like the night before. It wasn't very, it wasn't very long before. I mean, I was really going back and forth between uh, Indiana, Stanford and Duke. And then it really came down like Indiana and Duke. Like wow. when I took my visit to Duke and Cameron was, Cameron's stadium was yelling, Alan, 
Henderson, Howland. I was like, well, I'm going to come here. They were playing an exhibition game against, uh, I think the USSR junior team was called or whatever that was called at the time. They were playing some kind of exhibition game and they were crowd was going crazy. I was like, man, I remember telling my dad after that, I said, man, I want to come here. He was like, hey, calm down. Take your last visit. Wait to get home. Don't make a decision right now. You're, you know, just make sure you think about it. I was like, okay. So I did end up taking my Indiana visit after that. But I, I mean, I had a great visit in Indiana. I think, um, let's see, Antonio Lang and Grant Hill were my hosts. Uh, but, you know, of course they had a great team. So, I mean, I I, I feel like I couldn't have gone wrong either way. But so that's yeah. my Indiana visit. Well, no, had, a, had a great you, time. You could have gone, gone very wrong, yeah. Alan. For, yeah. Fortunately, your your father was a very smart man. It would have been the worst decision uh, of your life. Yeah, yeah you know, I am very happy. I mean, I'm very happy with my decision. So yeah, who ever heard from Duke in basketball again anyway? Yeah, yeah. Who, we didn't play in that year, did we? Yeah. So so then it's funny. We saw I had, um, uh, you know, I was with Calvert and um, Jamal Meeks and uh, – and, and all those guys had my visit there uh, to Indiana. And it was just, um, it was very comfortable. I knew a lot of those guys because I had played in some of those. Like we used to play, I think, the junior Soviet team also. Mm-hmm. Team with those games together. So I, I knew a lot of those guys and played with them before. Felt comfortable with them. Uh, Chris Reynolds had played some AU basketball with us already. Um, you know, Coach Knight gave us a tour, you know, took us all around, driving everywhere through campus and just kind of, showed us what it was. It was really ca- comfortable. You know, it was a beautiful, beautiful campus. I knew we had uh, great players. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, um, I want to play, you know, and I felt like I could play at both places right away. So it was that. So that was kind of even. I said, both places, Duke and Indiana, both going to have really good teams. Both have great coaches. I'm like, but Indiana, it's a little closer to home. You know, I know these guys a, a little bit better. I, I felt something I just felt good about it. So it just kind of swayed it that way. I, I It really did come. I mean, I think it might have been like the day before. And I was like, yeah. And I remember that morning calling calling the other schools and telling them, man, man I, already, I already made my decision. And people weren't, people, you know, you know, some were, some were okay with it. And some schools even going back further, like I remember when I canceled my Purdue visit, they, they weren't that happy about that. Because I had planned to take a visit there at one point. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to take my visit. But uh, yeah, but um, anyway, so, you know, they just called them right before we had a we had a little press conference over at Brabuff and they did have the news cameras there and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, made made my decision and everybody was everybody's happy. They were happy in the, in the basketball office at IU. And, um, you know, it's, I'm just I was really comfortable with the decision and, um, you know, I didn't get any national championship out of it. But I, still, I thought we had a chance to get multiple, really. And um just didn't work out that way. And well, um, we'll get into that. We'll get into some of that in a little bit here, yeah. but obviously, I mean, a, a decision that, you know, I mean, millions of people are happy you made because, uh, it, I mean, just, it was, I remember getting, uh, back then it was the inside Indiana, like newsletter. There was an inside Indiana magazine and hmm. that's how I got my Indiana news because my dad was a, a subscriber to it hmm. and it came and it was the profile of you and it was talking about the commitment. And then it was talking about your high school season and the matchups between you and Glenn and oh, yeah. on this collision course, yeah. it seemed, which yeah. never really happens the way you think it's going to happen. Yeah. And then it does yeah. your yeah, senior it year. Good. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. You know, I mean, it was just an awesome experience. Uh, the the whole, just the camaraderie of the high school team, like growing together year after year and getting yeah. better, kind of getting there with guys that weren't going to play college basketball anywhere, you know? Was, you know, they were like, hey, this is, uh, maybe one guy played, maybe I think it's like some NIA or some real small, but nobody, nobody really went anywhere to 
to play basketball. We were just trying to get as good as we could, trying to figure out how to play together and win, and win games. And we ended up being good. We played so hard. We played together. We played great defense. Um, you know, Mike Miller was a great coach. We had another coach, uh, uh, Coach Stambro, who just got a just got the job at here at a local high school. It just oh, nice. like prepared us like a like a college, like the way we would watch tape and scout and be prepared. Really had us, really helped us. You know, we had a lot of high IQ basketball guys, and it was just a great. It was just a great experience, you know, and they always had us, you know, growing up as we got older, especially like sophomore and junior, it was like, you know, I was talking about Glenn Robinson taught me and we play against each other a lot in the summers and every now and then we play together, but they made it, you know, it was, you know, it was good press, you know, it was good rivalry. It was. I got North, got here, got but, in a private school, got in a public school, blah, 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 you know, got from this round, you know, they tried to make it out like that, but, you know, people didn't know that Glenn and I were always friendly. We never had. I think we always had respect for each other's game. We played as hard as we could against each other, but it wasn't a, uh, like I, where I was like, man, I don't like that guy. You know what I mean? Right. I remember being on games, Tim Knight's doing games and we're roommates, you know, it's like, hmm. you know, he was at my dinner table at home, you know, eating salad with the family. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, okay. If you guys want to make it like that, I guess you can write it like that. But, you know, I don't know where you're getting I, that from, you know, but. I so, did. I yeah. did see something, Alan, from you recently where you were commenting on someone else's post about a high school team, and oh, yeah. you commented about mm-hmm. that special bond that exists no matter yeah. how many years later between mm-hmm. those guys that were on that 91 team mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about that, uh, about that bond that continues. You know, to this day, we have a we got a, te- a, te- a text chain. Sure. You know, and every now and then someone will get on there and say something and just um, – and if we, if we don't see each other for a long time, it doesn't really matter. When we see each other, we kind of pick back up with the same, talking about the memories or the stories or the same feelings we had. Cause it was just, a, it was just a really fun experience. Um, like I said, it was a lot of guys that knew they weren't going to play basketball after this, you know? Right. Um, they were trying to just have fun when I'm trying to figure out, okay, how can I help them? And they're trying to figure out how can they help me? You know, I can't score 50 points a game. I need help, you know? Well, I need to balance it out. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Really? It came close. Not, not, in win, not in win as much as we wanted to, you know, and make it fun for everyone. You know, so sure. I want everyone to be involved. I want to uh, try the best I could, just kind of learning how to learn how to do that. Um, we had guys just that were really committed and we really just enjoyed each other. It was just um it was a fun, it was a fun season. It was a fun, it was a fun group of guys, and that's that's what I always um kind of just think about when I think about that team. It's like a lot of fun memories you know even yeah. more so than specific games this game that game that game it's like i just remember having a good time you know i remember I enjoying being with the show, like competing with these guys and beating teams that would think that we shouldn't be able to beat them like they look right. at us going, okay they got one guy we're gonna beat him you know and then my guards are hitting shots or my forwards are doing something or someone else is making a play or they can't get the ball up the court because our defense is you know just that kind of stuff it was just a fun season kind of it was weird kind of being overlooked even with me. Like, it's like, ah, oh, we can beat them. They just get out, you know? So, and that's a time when you said like that era of basketball was just, inc- it was incredible, you know, you know, cause you had, like you said, even, even, you know, with the great Marion teams before Lennon and Jay, and then uh, you got Bailey and you, David Bailey, you got Montross and all, you just got all these guys with these great, with these great teams. And it's just, um, you know, there's no classes, you know, right, yes. that, that real, Hoosier hysteria, you know, where yes. it's one champion. And um yeah, so it was just it was, it was, it was amazing. Really fun. amazing. And it was really it was really sad ending. Sure. Um it was super sad, you know, because you work your whole 
high school career, you're like, I want a state championship. And I personally, and I want Mr. Basketball. Yeah. And you kind of see that kind of go in one day. You're like, oh man, I figured, I figured whoever won it probably had the best chance of getting Mr. Basketball. And in that game, I didn't play my best game. And Glenn would probably tell you the same thing. He didn't play his best game, but, but they won, you know, they had a, a stronger team had, had a better, had a better game that day than us. And I always tell people all the time, yeah, I wish we would have won, but it's not like you lost to some people that couldn't play. I mean, they had a really good team. They had a great player. So, you know, yeah. it's like, eh, you know, happens sometimes. If we'd have played them again, I don't know, maybe we had a better chance. But that day, that day was their day. But it was still an amazing accomplishment. We had a small school. I think we had about 600 people at the time mm. playing against all these big schools. And, I mean, it just it's was crazy. You know, it was fun, you know. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I do wonder in terms of, like, those memories that that come back in when you're thinking about it or talking about it of a magical run through single state class basketball in, in Indiana, like you, you play down in Bloomington with some unbelievable teams in the NCAA tournament. And then of course, then in the NBA, but uh, where, where does a Friday night, Indiana high school basketball frenzy, where, where does that rate in terms of just like how much fun that was for you compared to what was coming in your life beyond that? Oh man. That's how much fun. I mean, it was a whole lot of fun. Now, I, I mean, I can't, you know, it's different. It's different when you think about that college experience to what it is, because there's still something, you know, I tell people all the time, so special about walking into assembly hall for a game and like smelling the popcorn and especially if it's like an afternoon game on a Sunday and it's sunny outside, you're going in, it's like, and you could just feel the energy in the place. It's like something that's like, Whoa, let's go. You know, that kind of thing. So it's hard to compare it. It's different, but it's just a, it was a great thrill. Like being, being there in the gym, you know, you're watching the JV game and you're watching part of that. Then, you know, in high school and you go back and you get dressed, you come out and then all of a sudden the gym was half full and now it's full and people are going crazy. And it's just, you know, um, I, I mean, it's all, it's just all fun. It's just different, different types different of fun. levels. Yeah. Sure. Well, let's get to Indiana fun. Mm -hmm. You're at Indiana University, your freshman year. You're joining a stacked team already with a team that just so much talent on it. Mm -hmm. You come in. It's a very small freshman class because of how many people they've brought in before. But you come in with Evans and Lindemann, right? And and Evans red shirts. Um, but but you come in there. Uh, what do you remember from just like the practicing? You're, you're, you're now practicing under coach Knight, who we've been told he's consistent through recruiting. He is who he is, but there's a difference between when he's recruiting you and now when you're playing for him, what do you just remember from those practices leading up to that first game? Hmm. Or just overall, what do you remember from I, practicing in college? I would go, I would just probably starting with what they call it. Um, I think it was voluntary conditioning. <laughs> like, for those listening yeah. alan put quotation marks yeah. up by volunteer it was uh i want to say we did weights at like i don't know if it was 5 30 or 5 45 it was something very early in the morning but <laughs> but you don't have to go you know we can't make NCAA rules go but you may want to go you know <laughs> if you go is that it was that kind of thing so i i want maybe it was six o'clock i can't remember it was something very very early yeah and um you know, I remember those workouts and Brian Evans was my roommate. Oh boy. And so those workouts were going on. And then in the afternoon we would do conditioning with Tim Garl. Again, I think I think that was voluntary too, but 
everybody was there. So you do you do that. And some days we play afterwards. And I remember as we started playing uh, as a freshman, I remember playing, be like, oh, man, I, these guys are good, but I can play with these guys. I can still score. I can still do this. Well, we can still do that. And, you know, it was after a couple of those workouts, that's when Joel Meek started calling me A-Train. He gave me that. He still calls me A-Train. Yes. And um, so I remember those workouts. And I remember it was – but I remember it being hard. I remember it being tiring and just a lot. Like you're mm-hmm. getting a workout in the morning, you're going to class, you're playing after, you're lifting, you're running, you're doing this. I remember it just kind of getting tiring, mm-hmm. and this season hadn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. I remember one morning our alarm went off in our in our dorm. We stayed at uh at Reed, that was a Reed Reed Curry or whatever it's called, the dorm. And um, and I remember telling Brian Evans, man, I don't know, man, it's cold. It's like, <laughs> you know, this place would be really fun if we didn't have to go to practice and we were just down here <laughs> students and. I don't know, man. It's almost like for a moment we're sitting there thinking, man, should we just be students? Or at least I was thinking that. Then we kind of both kind of looked at each other and be like, let's go. You know, hopped up, got our clothes on, went to time. So that was only, that was, I remember only that happened at one time. Because, you know, we were like, man, this would be fun to be here or not have to do all this in the morning. Really just enjoy Bloomington. It's a great, it's just an awesome school, right? Yeah. But anyway, so now we played there. And then throughout practice, I just remember trying to get better. Um, I remember having really being matched up with Calvert a lot and a lot of drills and really having a hard time guarding him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, as as did everyone. He's, I mean, it was, he was just so athletic, so smooth, so strong, so fast. It was really hard. I think that I'm, I know, but I told me later they put me on him on purpose. You right. Know, trying to help me and try to help me get better. And uh, I don't know if they thought I was helping him get better or not, but he was, <laughs> he was having his way a lot of times, especially on the perimeter. But, I mean, it was that. I remember that. But I remember thinking, I think I should be starting over here. I don't know who's going to start, but I'm looking around. I'm looking at five guys, and I'm thinking, I need to be one of those five guys. That's <laughs> yes. kind of what was in. That's kind of what was in my mind. Like I thought sure. I was playing well enough to do that. I was rebounding. I was scoring. I, you know, I wasn't scared of anybody. I never was. And um, that's kind of that's kind of where it was. And uh, when as practice started, you know, again, it was demanding. But you know, our our high, my high school coach got on us a lot too. So I was as prepared as you could be for coach for coach night. I'd say you know, sure. there's a lot of you know just yelling and screaming going on about stuff, and I never that never really bothered me. Uh, I'd say I just wanted to play. I know when I'm playing well. I know when I'm not playing well. Whether you're yelling at me or not, it's not really gonna. It really wasn't making any difference to me that part of it. So that didn't affect me. But just enjoy. I just enjoyed the competition and being there. I was excited, excited to get started, you know, excited to play with all those guys that were so, um, so talented and just so, um, so willing to win and and wanted to work together uh, to win. It was just pretty cool. Well, and with coach Knight, you are Mm -hmm. in the presence under the tutelage of one of, if not the greatest mind Mm -hmm. the game has known but you know, there's the theatrics, there's the the legacy, the the championships that are hanging in there. But do you remember a, a moment early on where you realized personally, empirically, how brilliant he was? Where he just saw the game in a way that was different and beyond anybody else you'd been around? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if they still do. We had to keep notebooks. Everybody had a little. I still got mine around here somewhere, little, I mean, a seven inch little three ring binder or whatever. Everybody had to keep notebooks. 
and he had to take notes before practice, after practice, during meeting, whatever he was doing to talk. So there'd always be stuff in there I'd write. I'd be like, oh man, I didn't know that. You know, or I didn't think about it like that. Or he, and a lot of times it'd be from what when we're watching tape, mm. I'd say, where he'd point out things like, we want to try to do this to this guy. Or against this defense, we're going to do this play. We're not this play, but we're going to think about doing this. And this might work. Let's keep this in mind. If they do the zone, let's, you know, that kind of thing where he was always, um, I guess, dissecting the film and looking for uh, little things that could give us an advantage. So, you know, I don't know how, if you want me to, I, to put that, all right, to put together where I really saw something where I was like, oh my goodness, this really worked. It was like, you know, we played UCLA in my first game. Yes. Um, they had a really good team. I don't know. They might've been number we were one or two. We were both top five, I think at the time. Right. We yeah. Both really highly rated. I don't know what we were. Don McClain, and, Tracy yeah, Murray. McClain, Tracy Murray and those guys. And um, of course I'm mad. I'm not starting. You know, I mean, not mad where I'm pouting mad, but in my head, I'm like, I'm starting. I don't care. I'm a freshman. Why am I not starting today? You know, so that's my thought. And so for, it was my first game against UCLA, and that's the way I'm thinking. But that's just my, that's just my that's just my mindset. And so we get out there. It didn't go well. I got in. I believe I had 20. You had and, 20 uh, and eight. Pretty good first yeah, game. I had 28. Yeah. And you know, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I could have had more. I shouldn't have missed that shot. You know, so. <laughs> You know, but anyway, so I wasn't long after that where I started starting. I don't know if it's the next game or not, but I started starting. And um, but we ran it, we ran into them again, right? We're watching the tape from from the first meeting, we're watching tape they've been doing, and Coach Knight's like, This is what we're going to do. He's like, This is going to work against them. You know, we are going to do this. We're gonna think about this, we're gonna think about that, we're gonna look at this, we're gonna guard this like that, we're gonna do you know, just all those little kind of things, and we and got in the game, and it was all working. I was like, man, <laughs> he's right. <laughs> We've grown this going to work. Like, this is going to get us open. This is going to get somebody else. Everything worked. And after that game, I remember saying, man, that was a that was a heck of a film session we had before, before that game. <laughs> man, he was really on it. But it was like moments like that where you see he kind of puts, would help put us in a, a position to to succeed or give us the, uh, the right thoughts. Uh, because, you know, I tell people all the time, the crazy thing is he just tried to get us to think about things um, the right way. Um, we didn't have any plays. Um, and people think, I tell people that, they're like, what? what do you mean having plays? You know, I got to the NBA. It took me a second to really start remembering how to run plays because we didn't have any plays. We just mm -hmm. played basketball, you know. And um, you know, get in the NBA, you got a whole playbook and it all kind of plays. And I'm like, okay, let me get used to these play calls again because we just ran around and played because he's trying to teach us how to play. And and every game, he'd, he'd always tell us, hey, we're not, you know, we're not competing against the other team. We're competing against ourselves. It's like we're playing against ourselves. Let's see how how perfect a game can we play. And if we do what we need to do, what we want to do, we're going to have we're going to we're going to have a really good chance to be successful. And that it was that mentality. And I just I don't know, I just loved it. I just really enjoyed playing there, even with all the yelling, screaming and everything else that would go on. <laughs> Well, it, it's funny when you look at your the beginning of your freshman year. You do you come you play, even though you don't start, you play a bunch against UCLA. You score twenty, you grab eight boards. You then play Butler. You score sixteen, grab eleven boards. Mm -hmm. Then your minutes, like it, it's almost like he was testing you because you do play a little sporadically over the next handful of games. Mm -hmm. Kentucky, you don't play much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, limited minutes in in several games. Mm -hmm. Before then, it's like he decided, okay, I need Allen to be the guy that we all know he's going to be. But do you think he was testing you a little at the beginning? You know, I don't know. That's really, that's hard to say. Um, 
was that Kentucky game in, in Indianapolis? I wonder. I think if, yeah, I think that I one was. Yeah, home. I remember one being there. I wasn't happy because like my family and friends were there, and I remember I needed to play the bus, and and it pulled me out. I don't know what was going on that day, but I remember I was not happy about whatever it was. I remember not being pleased with that game, and uh, I don't know if he was t- testing me, but. I don't, you know, I don't think I would say he was testing me. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just wasn't sure if I was ready for that. I, I really don't know. I, right. I don't think that he would do it to test me, especially in a big game, because I know he wants to win. Um, but I wouldn't put it past him either. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. But I know well, I did, but I know it didn't do anything but make me want to just continue to play hard. And I never complained about it to him. I never like pouted and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, all right, you're not gonna. Let me show you some more of what I can do until you talk, until you feel like you need to put me in the game. And that's all that's all I could do. And that was kind of that was my mentality, uh, I guess, throughout my four years. Well, you there there are several huge games in, in this year, and there's several huge storylines, and we can't go over every one. But a couple that I do want to hit is it is the first time that you get to play against the Fab Five, right? That that is the vaunted Fab Five. And let's just say that Indiana did very well against the Fab Five overall. And we're going to get into a game, a specific game later. Mm-hmm. But it was the Fab Five. And it was also, I remember, I mean, Ohio State with Jimmy Jackson. Mm-hmm. These were just unbelievable teams. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about like that? I remember when we talked to Calbert about mm-hmm. Michigan specifically. Calbert told us that like Coach Knight, he he really liked Michigan the way they played. He thought that they played they played basketball the right way. They shared the ball. They he he really enjoyed it. Whereas I think all of us fans thought, oh, we hate the Fab Five. They're everything. We're not. But but Coach, at least from Calbert, said that Coach really respected them. What do you remember about those games uh, when you first get to play against the Fab Five in college? Um, I mean, well, for me, I've been playing against those guys, so. Right. To me, it was always fun to play against somebody you've been playing against. You know, I came, we're in the same class. I came out with, with all those guys, you know. Uh, Jimmy King was my roommate at McDonald American Games. So I was like, I knew the guys, been playing and been competing against them. So I was just looking forward to competing competing against them again, you know. And I, I knew they had a really good team. But I also knew that we had a really good team. So those are games that I love to play. You want to play against you want to play those games and see what your team is made of and play against these guys that are really good in environments that are really tough and, and just kind of try to see, try to see what you can do. But I loved it. I mean, they were so, I mean, they really changed the game. I mean, for, from a lot of different perspectives, I mean, yes, they were, um, you know, they had some, some swag as the kids would say nowadays, you know, and they had their, um, their shorts and they had their style, but, but yeah, Calvert's right. They passed. They played together. I mean, I mean, they worked. They won. They talked. They communicated, and they were fun to watch. So even though they were somebody we competed against, never was. I never heard anybody say anything uh, disparaging about them at all because they were all. They had so many good basketball players, and they played um, so well together. And um, you know, I think that's just one thing. Coach was always. Coach always had a lot of respect for the pro- for the players and the programs that were playing the game and the way if he thought they were doing it the right way and they're really good he he always put it uh, put it put it to us like you know these guys are really good we're gonna have to play really well we have to, we have to do what we can do and we can beat them I'm not saying anything bad about them but if we do what we can do we can beat them you know but it was never like uh, there are a couple of teams he a couple there are a couple of teams he go off on I guess every now and then yeah, but yeah. Michigan, 
Michigan wasn't Michigan wasn't one of them. You know? Who who was one of them? Who was one of them? You know, he would get hyped up sometimes to play against Kentucky. I'd say, yeah, I'd say yeah. Kentucky was one of them. Yeah, well, for sure. I, I, I don't mean, know if that went into how, how he felt about the program, what it was, or if he was just extra hyped up. I don't know, but he would be he he'd have a little extra juice sometimes. <laughs> what what we would hear it was never very much fun uh, to be in practice after losing to Kentucky. Do you remember that your freshman year after you not getting to play as much, you narrowly lost to them in Indianapolis? Was it mm-hmm. was he especially? Uh, hyper afterwards because you guys uh, went ahead and won like uh, 12 straight games after that, 13 straight games. You know, he was tough after any practice we didn't play well, I felt like. Any game we didn't play well. Whether we won or not, we're in a loss, whatever happened, it kind of just depends on how we played. Um, we lost some games where he was upset, but it wasn't like it was any, any crazier practice in other games we played well. Um, he was pretty – there were some practices where he was extra mad. I can think about those are going later on in the years, but that's not one that I, that stands out to me as man. He was really, really, really mad. But also I just expected practice to be a certain way. I guess when I came into the gym, I came into the gym expecting, expecting a hard practice, whether we won or lost, whether we had a game, I kind of had my mindset. Okay. I'm ready to go. You know, let me get, let's get ready to go. Now I'm not saying there's not, there's those days where, I knew something didn't go well the day before and I'm coming to assembly hall and I'm hoping that coach isn't walking down the ramp the same time I'm coming in. Cause I'm not trying to see him right now. I'm just trying <laughs> to get to the locker room, get dressed and kind of, you know, at least have a little bit of little quiet time before like there are days like that, but I don't remember the Kentucky game being a, a super, a, a super crazy practice, but I remember intense practices before Kentucky games. And there are some, some practices I remember after some bad losses as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, Purdue for a second, because there, obviously there's a natural rivalry. Mm-hmm. A lot of players that you played against go to Purdue. Purdue had recruited you. You mm-hmm. chose not to visit them because why would you demean yourself by visiting Purdue? Totally to, understand that. Hard to get that stink off once you get into town. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you remember about the Purdue rivalry, um, you know, and, and your first experience with it in your freshman year? Uh, you know, by by then I knew, you know, I Purdue. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't really get it, but I got it by then. It was it was intense. You know, you wanted to beat them. It was always going to be a tough game, no matter how the other person's season was going. And um, you know, just wanted to beat them. You know, um, and the and the fans and everybody else was, was super hyped up about it. But as a player, did I want to beat them more than somebody else? maybe maybe just a little bit yeah maybe just a little bit because it was really you know and, and part of it is what you said you knew a lot of guys on their team yeah you, know, you grew up playing with them on the team with them like Waddell played with us in AAU and um you know you played in Glenn when playing the first year but you know play again and and guys like that so you you, you kind of got used used to playing against the guys so you wanted to beat them and it was really special to everybody else around and the students and people on campus would get extra hype extra hype for it so you know those are all those were always fun uh, games to play in and, and fun games to to win before we, we move on here in your career I do want to ask your freshman year mm-hmm. you, you talked about Meeksy a little bit gave you the A-train nickname mm-hmm. the other senior that was on the team that year who's no longer with us uh, yeah. Eric Anderson uh, mm-hmm. us, from, by all accounts mm-hmm. a special man a special mm-hmm. basketball player mm-hmm. what, what was it like coming into a team where Eric was the senior and, and what was your relationship there what do you remember about playing with Eric uh, I just remember Eric being a really, really skilled player. Um, could really shoot it. 
was a, uh, a much better athlete than you would, than you would, than you would maybe expect uh, before you played against him. Um, uh, very, a very good teammate, a, a very uh, positive personality. Uh, I think all the guys on our team, I felt like were just really enjoyable to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember being a freshman and um, after a game, he'd have little get together sometimes. And he didn't, he'd say, Alan, Brian, come on over, come on over, you know, I'd be like, Oh, we get to, you're inviting the freshman over. Okay, sure. We'll come over. Sure. We'll come <laughs> hang out. You know? So I have those kind of just fond, mem- fond memories of him. Um, I remember some, he was in and out of the doghouse at times, you know, yep. and, um, uh, but he was just a, a very important part of the team, just a very um, skilled player and um, always kept, always kept that mindset of, you know, when I get my chance or whatever I'm allowed to do, if I get to play, I get in, I'm gonna try to do the best I can and try to help us win and was always ready, you know, and had it, you know, think back to that senior year, had a huge, had huge tournament games for us huge. You know, on that run. And um, yeah, it was just um, sad, that, sad, that, sad that he's no longer with us, but um, he was just, uh, you know, a pleasure to be around and compete and compete uh, against in practice and play with and play with in games. When, you're you're getting into the the end of the Big Ten season of the regular season. Uh, the Big Ten title is still up for grabs between mm-hmm. you guys and Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, but you lose two out of three. Mm-hmm. It's at Michigan and at at Purdue. Who do you handled both of them at home? Yeah. Lose the Big Ten title to Ohio State in doing that. Mm-hmm. What what happened in that rough stretch that um, you think ultimately? fueled you guys for what was about to happen in the NCAA tournament? You know, I don't really know what happened. I know that was a tough way to end the season. And I'll just say, first of all, Purdue's a tough place to play. Um, and Michigan's a good team. You know, so it's like, I mean, we lost, but it wasn't like we lost to somebody at the bottom of the Big Ten or, you know, like we lost to some, you know, to some tough games. Yes, we should have won. We should have won one of those at least. But um, it was just a tough way to end the season. And that was a uh, that was not a, that was not good after that game. Uh, <laughs> after that, Purdue, that was a tough one there. Uh, but I guess, fortunately, you didn't have that much time to dwell on it. You had to just start focusing on, on what was coming next. I think that was, <laughs> that was the only good thing about that. I mean, even though it really hurt um, to, to play, to play that hard throughout the season to have it, to have a chance to clinch it and not do it, but uh, to share it, but it was, um, it was very disappointing. Um, but again, I mean, the Big Ten was loaded. Ten was tough. Loaded. I mean, it was hard. It was really hard to win on the road. I mean, it still can be hard. It's hard to win on the road. But it was really, really hard to win on the road. So when we go on the road and get a win, that was a good win, you know. So while we did expect to win to get to get the title, and we thought we could beat that game, we really thought we we're going to be able to get that uh, beat Purdue there at the end. I mean, it just happens sometimes. I mean, it's just not like we weren't trying. We tried our best. You know? well, but, but do you think that got you extra fired up to get into the tournament? Um, I don't know if it got us extra fi- fired up, but I think it might have really got us prepared, you know, for for not – for you're not at home. You're playing against tough teams, and you got to go out there, and you got to battle, and you got to get it done. Like, you can't – there's no – you can't lose this one. You got to go out there, and you got to play. And the way that hurt um, – Letting that slip away, yeah, perhaps it did give us a little a little fuel to get going. Like you know what, that hurt. You know, now let's go try to get something else done, and let's not let's not mess it up by not bringing our best effort or doing everything in our power uh, to get the win. So 
Well, yeah, I would say that's part of it. But I think as a player, I mean, I think you're always fueled by that. You're always fueled by those stings of those those games you've lost, whether it was this year, last week, high school, whatever. You're always you always can remember those stings that you don't want to feel again. And I think that's part of what drives you, uh, not just in the games, but it drives you in the off season and when you're working when you're working out or in the gym practice, whatever you're doing. It's those kind of things that uh, that fuel you. You know, it's kind of it's part of you know we do what we do because we love it. And we put the work in uh, and we try to get better and better. But those losses even fuel you even more sometimes. When you're in the gym, you're thinking about it. Man, I can't believe that guy blocked my shot. I'm going to learn how to do this shot better. I'm going to perfect my jump hook. I'm not going to miss my baseline jumper. I'm going to shoot more. I'm going to shoot so I can make it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and go. So I think all that stuff fuels you. But, yeah, I think losing the game, just being that, being so fresh in our minds, it probably it probably, it probably did motivate guys. But, but once the tournament comes, that draw comes, you kind of forget about all that and you're kind of looking at that, that game in front of you and you're not supposed to, but you're kind of looking at the rest of the draw and seeing what, <laughs> what could be in the future. But then you kind of lock in on that one game and kind of, kind of get going. Well, the other thing that happened is the up and down kind of minutes that you were getting in that year is gone. Now you are clearly a, a, a integral part of this team. Mm-hmm. You play Eastern Illinois in the first round, you get 19 and 11, which sets up a really interesting and one of the more fun second round matchups ever in the tournament, Indiana versus Shaquille O'Neal and LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just remember this game so well. What do you remember about uh, the game plan going into that game and then the execution of, of that game plan? Oh, man, about the game plan. I mean, um, I just remember uh, being glad we had Matt Nover. You know, it was just one of those things where we felt like we had the better team, and we knew. Um, I remember correctly, Shaq, and they had a guy Singleton. I can't remember who else we were, who else I was thinking about, kind of on my end. But I knew that. Um, I mean, we knew he was a great player, but we didn't feel like he could beat us. We didn't think Shaq could beat us on his own. Right. You know? So, I mean, we were confident. We were confident we could get the win. It was a. It was going to be a fun game, but we really felt like we we felt like we could get the win. Um, I had planned to kind of probably shoot a couple more baseline jumpers in my head. I was like, oh, I might use a couple of baseline jumpers today than usual. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, I remember before the game shooting a lot of those, like just in case I'm not always in the paint around him. Let me give me some little space for the big guy. You know, just, did, just trying to be you, ready. Did yeah. you anticipate that he would shoot 12 of 12 from the free throw line? <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a shocker. That was, I mean, that truthfully, that's what kept the game yeah. even somewhat close yeah. was that. Yeah. You know, I mean, but, but poor Matt Nover had the job of guarding him. I mean, it was clear you weren't going to double him. It was just like you said, he's not going to beat us alone. You have another great game, 19 points, six rebounds. um, And you win by 10 against Shaq, which then sets up an interesting little mini rivalry that happened in these years with Florida state. Florida state was a team that Indiana played a whole bunch in the tournament around this time Mm -hmm. and a really good Florida State team. Oh yeah, Bob and, Sura, Sam Cassell, Charlie Ward. Like yeah, these, these were good these were like teams. The, the great was, Florida was State. Doug, was it Doug? Uh, Doug Edwards. Doug Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good, good teams. Good coaching. Uh, and you get into foul trouble in this game. But you mentioned it before. This is where Eric Anderson goes off. And Eric Anderson, all the kind of doghouse stuff that happened. Man, he comes out of this game and and good for him in his senior year to win such a big game. And Eric 
which is what made this team so dangerous. If it wasn't Calvert, it was Eric. If it wasn't Eric, it was you. If it wasn't mm-hmm. you, it was Graham. Mm-hmm. There's just so many people on the team, Bailey, that could do it. Mm-hmm. And you talked about looking at the bracket a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you were set up with Florida State, are you at all looking like if we beat Florida State, the chance to go to the Final Four means we probably are playing UCLA again, mm-hmm. the team that beat us pretty badly in game one. So that has to be exciting for you guys. It's super exciting. You want to avenge that loss. And uh, but like you said, you got to get one game at a time. Right. But um, and those were good teams, like you said, full of pros. I mean, both teams, the pros. I mean, so it was there were no easy, there were no easy games, but yes, we definitely, at least I can speak for myself, was definitely looking forward to playing UCLA again. Because I already felt like, well, they couldn't guard me last time, not gonna be a guard me this time anyway. And we're playing better as a team than we were at the at the beginning of the year. Coach is going to have us prepared. We'll be ready. You know, I was look I was looking forward. I was looking forward to that game. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, I in a lot of ways, it's it's the most dominant, surprisingly dominant victory of all time. And you already hit on that in terms of the film prep from the first game to that game. But I mean, it's it's not even competitive. Like the final score, let me check. It was one oh six to seventy nine. You ran them out of the gym, and you punch your ticket to the final four. Take us through what it's like in the locker room on the trip home, getting back to Bloomington, knowing you're going to the final four. It was just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I, you know, and it's funny as a freshman, you're like, oh man, we're going to do this every year. You know? <laughs> I was thinking, oh man, we, we're going to do this every year. You know what I mean? So you probably don't enjoy it as much as you should. Cause I'm thinking I'm going to do this again a few more times, you know, but let's go, let's keep going. But no, it was really, it was just super exciting. Um, and then it was just like, who are we going to play? You know, it was that kind of thing. Like just the excitement of who we're going to play against. It didn't really matter to us. We're like, we think we can beat whoever we're going to play against. And, uh, but no, it's just a great feeling. I think at the time we had, I remember we went back to Bloomington on different planes. I can't remember why. Then the plane might have been big. One plane might have been big enough for everybody. I remember I was on one of the smaller planes uh, when we was, went back. Was coach on that plane? I don't remember. I would just think the, t- the plane without think... coach is the one that all the players want to get on. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the juniors <laughs> yeah. and seniors are. probably on the nicer plane, whichever one that was. But I, right. I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I really don't remember. I'll be, I have to ask one of my teammates. I can't remember. But I remember we were on, on different planes. I remember um, we're super excited. And I remember the pilot came on. He said, Kentucky. Kentucky by such and such with, you know, whatever. 1.2 seconds left. We're like, all right, let's go. Let's go. We got it. We're like, all right, you know, we can beat them. We know we're going to beat them. We're going to handle them. It's not going to be any problems. And uh, then he came back on again and talking about Duke one. We're like, Duke one? How Duke win? What do you mean? What do you mean Duke win? We're like, all right, let's go. Let's play Duke. I mean, we had, of course, we really didn't know what happened until until we got to see it, but we were so excited. We didn't care who we played. We were ready to just go to go to battle. We felt confident in our team, no matter who it was. And, you know, we felt really good about it. I remember getting back, I remember it being nighttime and uh, taking the bus from the airport back to Assembly Hall. And it was just people everywhere. I mean, it was just a sea of people. And we got off the bus and we were walking through and they were kind of parting for us. And somebody <laughs> tried to steal my Final Four hat. I remember I snatched it back. I mean, I really took it off my head. Really? <laughs> and um it was just 
the adrenaline was just flowing. It was just a, it was just a great experience. And, um, but it wasn't long after that that you really were like, you know what, let's finish this. Like let's lock in and let's really, let's really get this done. You know? Well, yeah. you were locked in. I mean, that that game, especially in the first half, I mean, you go out to a double-digit lead, you're winning at halftime, mm-hmm. and then the referees decide that they're going to uh, put their handprints all over this game. I yeah. mean, it's just the foul discrepancy in this game, 33 fouls called against Indiana, 18 called against Duke. Mm-hmm. You, Calbert, Damon, mm-hmm. and Greg Graham all foul out of the game. I mean, it, I've never even heard of it happening in like a triple overtime game, let alone a regular game. How deflating was it? And when you were in the game, did you feel like it was being taken away from you in some way? Like you weren't allowed to just play? Yeah, it was really discouraging when you see the whistle just go like that. It's like, man, seriously? Like you're getting fouled. There's no fouls called. You're hardly touching somebody or not touching or calling fouls. I remember it's the only game. I think it might be the only game in my life where I got an offensive foul shooting a jumper. <laughs> Remember I shot a little jumper. I think I made it too off the glass. I'm in. I think it was Antonio Lang or Thomas Hill. Somebody, somebody fell down, and they caught a charge on me shooting the jump. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? Something's right. This is not right. You know, which is really sad. But they didn't just yes. let us battle it out because it was two really, really good teams. Should have been a really, really great battle that the referees were just there, but not trying to dictate the flow of the game. So, um, and even with all that, I felt like we still had opportunities to. Uh, to win it, but we just couldn't quite get over the hump. You know, um, uh, Hurley hit a couple of big shots there at the end of the uh, end of the first half, kind of get them a little momentum going, and then we just um, just couldn't get it done. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was look, one of those I, days. You know, we couldn't. We battled on them. We battled on the rest, but I mean, you don't want to blame it on that. But if, you know, it's still, um, there's things we could have done. We could have played better and and been able to win it, but. Again, they had a really solid team, um, great players. They been knew how to win, and it was just a, a super tough loss. Uh, you know, yeah, it was just a, it was just a tough loss. You know, and uh, yeah, it's a, t- yeah, it's a I'm tough. Like, man, we lost the championship last year. And now we lost in the final four. Come on, mm-hmm. we got to get one of these. You know, it's, it's kind of that thing that I'm that was in my head. And then the, then after the game, I have to walk down the tunnel and see the guys. You know, from Duke, they're you know, that hosted me the last year. They're kind of, hey, you know, kind of ribbing me, but not really ribbing me, you know, in a nice way, ribbing me. It was right. just like, yeah, yeah, all right, man. Yeah, hey, guys, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, but, um, you know, told you you should have come to Duke, you know, like, mm. you know, but, uh, yeah, it hurt. That was that was painful. It was, um, it was painful. Yeah. Before we move on from the season, I – we've mentioned quite a few of these names, but like looking at the complete roster, I just, I just, there's a very strong argument to be made because this was Eric's last year. Mm -hmm. Um, that this is one of, if not like the greatest top to bottom roster in Indiana university history, Hmm. Greg Graham, Mm -hmm. Chris Reynolds, Damon Bailey, Jamal Meeks, Matt Nover, Pat Knight, Todd Leary, Eric Anderson, Pat Graham, Brian Evans, Calbert Chaney, Alan Henderson, and Todd Lindemann. Mm -hmm. We're so excited about this year's team and Mm -hmm. its depth, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if you talk about like those great mid seventies teams, it was Mm -hmm. basically usually like a seven person, six person rotation. Mm -hmm. And when you just look at this roster of this year, 
and and we know what happened what what we're getting to in the next year and mm-hmm. and with everybody being a year older even without yep. eric what's mm-hmm. about to happen next year but this yep. roster deserves a, a a plaque and 13 statues <laughs> yeah it was uh you know i think that's what helped us be so i think our depth is part of what had us so well prepared i mean practice was competitive to say the least it was it was as hard as a game, you know, when you look at it like that. Because you got guys that everybody respected their teammates and everybody, you know, respected whoever was starting or whoever's on the red team, whoever's on the white, you know, we get it. But guys were coming for you in practice. I mean, mm-hmm. guys were going hard. Like, like, I'm trying to get from this white team to the red team. I'm trying to get me a few more minutes. Or I'm trying to get that, that, you know, and not in a not in a selfish type way, but in a way as I want to show what I can do to help the team, you know. So it was always just a, a very – very intense practices. And I think that's part of what helped us always be, um, be prepared because like, you know, you have guys step up out of nowhere and, or not out of nowhere, but play bigger roles and expected at, at different times. And, you know, like you said, how Eric steps up and does something in one game and at the end, Todd Leary almost brings us back in the Duke yeah. game. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like somebody could always come in and, you know, have Pat had um, Pat Graham's foot, not, Bother oh. him, hurt him as much as they don't tell him what he would have done. That guy could flat out shoot it, and yeah. um, yeah, it was um, it was a loaded roster, and um, everybody played hard. But but it's also a roster where everyone rooted for each other. I never heard anyone complaining about um, like how many shots I got or mm-hmm. played this many minutes or you know it just wasn't that type of it wasn't that type of situation i think that's part of what made it so fun to be a part of that team mm-hmm. and um it does start like, right nobody cared like if calvert got 30 great if eric got 30 great if i got five oh well you know if i didn't play much today oh well let me play more next game and you get t- you know it's like you just play and want to win and that's really that's really all that mattered it wasn't a game where people were like oh man i didn't get my minutes or i should have got more shots or if it was i didn't hear it or nobody nobody voiced it but you know what alan as fans i think we could all feel that i mean it's why these teams are still so Mm -hmm. beloved because Mm -hmm. it was playing basketball the way the right way it was sharing the ball it was supporting each other i mean just even little moments like in the next year the Louisville game where Calbert and Morton go toe to toe, you know, after what should have just been a clean block, but they called a foul. It the whole team is there to support Calbert. It just felt like this was a, a totally connected team. And yeah. I just I want to provide some context going into 92-93 because sure. the schedule that you played is obscene. I mean, it is. I, I don't remember Indiana ever playing a schedule like this. It was, I think it's clear that coach Knight knew this team was special and we had to test you early, mm-hmm. but also the big 10. Let's just put this into context. Mm-hmm. Iowa, Purdue, Michigan, Michigan state and Indiana all ranked in the top 15. Mm-hmm. Four of those teams ranked in the top five as the season went on. Mm-hmm. O- Ohio state and Minnesota broke into the top 25. So at this time when the big 10, I think was 11 teams because Penn state was in, yep. you're talking about eight of the 11 or nine of the 11 are in the top 25 and, and half of them are in the top 15. This is a loaded year of college basketball. You're playing six top 25 teams in the non-conference game. And it starts with the preseason and it again, playing matched up against Florida state. Mm-hmm. Um, and you beat them in a game that Pat Graham has a great game 
incredible game, but then re-injures his foot. And and just in the, the, the kind of subplots of these great teams are Pat's injuries through it are, are such a devastating thing. But what I do want to talk about, do you remember being on the plane on the way back after you you then beat Seton Hall to win the preseason IT. By the way, Seton Hall, top 10 team in the country. Yep. And Calbert does something with the trophy on the plane. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember what he did with the trophy. So Calbert apparently gave the the player of the tournament, I think, trophy to Pat Graham. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. again, it's a testament to what you talked about. Right this after is- he hurt his foot. Yes. Heard, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about, like, sure what that that the devastating injury to pat and just how sad you were for a teammate that just could not get over the hump of this injury yeah because you see how hard he was working and you see first of all that guy could shoot i mean that guy i mean he could really really shoot mm-hmm. and and he was a competitor and you could he, he he would hurt him he'd get hurt work his way back someone happened again or he'd have a setback or something happened it's like man it's just hard when you see someone working that hard you know they want to participate and they want to be be able to go full on. They're always, always in there with Tim Garl trying to figure out what's going on and trying to, trying to work their way through it. It's just, it was just hard to see. Um, I feel like everybody was always supportive of him and hoping and hoping that he got back. Um, but yeah, that, that you said, I remember that about the truck, but I, that doesn't surprise me. Cause that's just, I don't know, it's just kind of how things were around there. You know, you had, what was that? We ended up having maybe four first round draft picks on that team and nobody ever cared about, who got the shots? You wow. know, all people cared about was winning. It's like, you know, if we win, everything's going to take care of itself. Nobody was thinking about record books or nothing else or, or anything else. And that kind of just carried, carried over. And that, you know, that trip, you talk about that trip there. And I remember the games. I remember, you know, Florida state, Seton Hall. I remember, you know, it's good games play hard, but the Madison thing that I remember the most hard. about that trip was that coach Knight took us to see a play. And really? What'd yeah, you see? We saw jelly's last jam. Oh. Uh, Gregory Hines and awesome. uh, it's still to this day one of my favorite plays and I, but I remember like that kind of stuff like coach let, letting us go see a play as a team like I don't know it just I love oh, that it's those kind of events that you know and before you go you're like oh man we all gonna play oh man we got well you go and it's like oh man this is good actually I like plays now you know hey <laughs> I didn't know you know but um but uh, no I remember I remember that kind of stuff and I just those are the kind of things that I don't know. Those are the kind of emotions and things that I remember even sometimes more than more than the games, like things we do together and, and different things. Somehow we wound up at speaking of play, somehow we wound up at Shawshank Redemption one year. I don't even know what year that was. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why we all were there. He told why he made us all go or what? It's things like that. But maybe it's things like that that helped that helped us um Yeah. You know, just create those bonds where, you know I love that. Yeah. Um, well, Cause I do I do wonder like an egoless team when you're absolutely loaded with talent, how much of it do you think came from the top down in terms of the way coach went about his business and, and what he preached and how much of it was the players he recruited from the families, those players came from. That's a good question. Um, we don't like it. When, we don't like it when guests tell Ward how good the question is, Alan. That's the one thing we don't like here. By we, he uh, means he. You know, as a player, you have to have an ego, right? You got to have 
that's something that's like, man, I'm better than this guy. Yes. I'm about to show this team, this opponent, whoever it is, I'm about to show out. I'm about to do this. That's how you get to that level where we are. So you got to have that anyway. Mm -hmm. But what can over overrides that, I think, is seeing what can happen. What can happen if we all work together? And I think it was that love of winning that guys brought. Just like, I want to win, you know. And just being smart about it, I know that if we win, I'm going to win. Like, hmm. we're all going to get looked at. Like, we're hmm. all going to have a chance to to show the NBA what we can do, you know. We're winning. We're doing well. People are playing well. Yeah, they're coming to watch Calvert, scouts in practice. But they're going to see us too. You know, we are, it's like we're all in this and just keep doing what you're doing and doing, helping the team win. I feel like everybody kind of thought they had, would have a chance. You know, you got guys like, um, you know, I don't know, I think about Greg, right? Yeah. He was just like a super athlete, light, great shooter. I mean, Greg could average 20. You know what I mean? I mean, on another team, Greg's averaging 20. I mean, Easy. Brian's been able. Brian's been able to shoot it up from, from the hash mark. You know he could have been averaging a whole bunch of points. He could have been playing more, but 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 yet no one was complaining. Everybody was just trying to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could. I felt like I could average more points too, but I ain't care. You know, I'll, let me set this screen for Calvert. Let me get him this shot. Let me go get this rebound. Let me go. Let's go get this win. Let, you know, you know. And I think I think when you, I, yeah. So what made that? And I don't I don't remember anybody ever saying saying anything about it. I don't remember any, I mean, maybe other people had their own private conversation with the coaches or sister coach. I don't know, but I, I never heard anybody mention it. It mm. was just understood. Hey, we're trying to win. You know, it's like everything else is going to take care of itself. We're just trying to win. And well, I think you, that was, that was the mindset. You did a whole bunch of winning this year. I mean, just a, a one of the most remarkable seasons in Big Ten history. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus in, even though I know the, the moments of camaraderie are the things that probably stick out. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about at Michigan, down 75-74 with a minute 35 left. You get the ball at like 18, 19 feet inside the mm -hmm. three-point line. Mm -hmm. What do you remember from the end of this game and specifically that shot? I mean, you were hitting those shots from the beginning of the game. But this last 35 has your fingerprints all over it getting this win. So walk us through those last 90 seconds or so. Um, I just remember last 90 seconds. I, I mean, I just remember uh, we were getting some good ball movement. You know, I remember Nova making a big putback. I remember, you know, I remember the free throw situation with, with Larry was there in Calvert. I remember that. I remember us moving the ball around real well. And I just remember – not being scared to take wow. a shot. It's like, I mean, we need some points. Somebody got to make a shot. Right. You know, if I'm, you know, I always felt good from that 17, 19 foot. I felt good in there and I felt like I was open and I felt like I caught it in a rhythm. Let this thing go, you know, well, if I over somebody better get the rebound, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, I felt, but I felt good about it. And, um, you know, I, I, I that's one arena I really enjoyed playing in. The floor felt good to me. It's funny. The floor felt good. The net sounded good. I get something about, I don't know, something about that gym just felt really good to me anyway. So I felt like I was in a nice, a nice rhythm. But I think the thing is, you, you know, we do it in practice. We run motion, we come off screens, you shoot it, you get your footwork, you shoot your shot. You make, I mean, beginning of the game, middle of the game, end of the game, it's the same shot. Just shoot your shot. And, well, uh, you shot it. Yeah. 
You made yeah, it. You go up yep. by one. Mm-hmm. Then we get the ball back. Leary gets fouled with 14 right. seconds left. And then in the one of the weirdest, weirdest things ever, I think yeah. it was Calbert who comes yeah. off the line. Left the line, yeah. And they call a lane violation. Yeah. And they give the ball to Michigan. Yeah. Michigan comes down the court. Mm-hmm. Voskel is open for a three. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about from that point to the end of the game? I just remember, oh, no. And uh, <laughs> it was calm. I said, oh, we want to, I was like, oh, no, please miss the shot. You know what you're thinking. And then I'm thinking if he misses it, I hope it, I hope it comes. I hope I'm in the right position to grab this rebound. I remember some pushing going on and uh, somehow the ball came off and it wound up in Weber's hand. I remember just seeing it. And I thought like I had an angle. I knew he, I knew he had to go quickly. Like I knew he couldn't get it, gather, go up. I knew he was going to have to go quickly, whatever he did. So I just remember saying, okay, let me try to get on top of this. Let me try to swat this on top of it without hitting his hands. You know, because the worst thing to do is I made a foul right there. I'd be like, oh, oh no, I'd be yeah. talking about the foul Alan made, you know. But um, <laughs> no, I just remember getting it and seeing it go away. And I think Calvert, he might have been the one that I might have hit it in the Calvert's hand. Somebody caught it after I hit it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, then I just remember running around the court. Just tell me, like, take that. How do you like that? Saying whatever. I don't even know whatever I'll say. Just kind of skipping around the court, right? Just talking trash. And probably after that, I was like, oh no, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. So I'm kind of looking around. Everybody had kind of had kind of gone in. And I remember when we went into the locker room, I'm telling you right now, that is one of the happiest I've ever seen Coach Knight. Yes. I mean, he was so happy. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember what he said to me. He was just like, so happy big smile just like like just hype it was like it was one of those games it was just a it was just a great game to play against in a great environment with you know playing against all those just heavyweights players i mean heavyweights i mean this is two of the best college teams of the last 30 years playing In Michigan's home court, Ward and I talk about this a lot to to former teammates of yours and just former players. How good does it feel to beat a team like that on their home court? Yeah, I mean, it just feels good to beat a good team. Anyway. <laughs> like you just want to keep beating good teams. There's something about beating a good team. Like, you know, going to the game, you look at the scouting report, you're like, these guys are good. Like, you're watching the tape of their game before, like, Okay, these guys are good. You know, you're not, I mean, you're not scared, but you're like, all right, these guys are good. We we're gonna have to be on top of our game. Like we, we we're gonna we're gonna have to execute, you know. Yeah, we're gonna have to get our rest. We're gonna have to be ready to play. You know, like mentally ready to go. This is going to be a battle, you know, and it's one of those games that you love. I mean, come on. I mean, nighttime game, ESPN, Dick Vitale, <laughs> top five teams battling that. I mean, what else? That's why you go to Indiana, because you want that game. You know, yes. Go to Indiana because you want that game. You want to play in that game. You're not trying to go there to play against, you know, the games you're supposed to win. Those, you know, that, that, that's cool. You know, you, you go do it, handle your business. You have to do. It. But those games, those are the ones you like. This is why I came. This is what I, I'm, I, this is what I want. I love this. And I do feel like going into the season, obviously returning the almost everybody from the final four team, there are certainly national championship expectations inside and outside the program. But there was, you know, losing to Kansas and losing to Kentucky in the pre-conference. It's kind of like, okay, there's, there's still some work to be here done, Uh, uh, but beating Michigan and Michigan, and then you go on the road and you beat Illinois, and then you go on the road and you beat Purdue. 
I don't know how you guys were feeling, but I think everybody sitting in the cheap seats after those three games, and of course it keeps going after that, is like, we have the best team in the country. Did you did you did you feel suiting up every night like we're number one? <laughs> I ain't feel like anybody could beat us. Yes. I, I, no. I feel like I ain't care who we play against. I ain't feel like anybody could beat us. Unless we just came out and did something crazy and just started playing and some kind of outside of ourselves or trying some stuff that we didn't practice or wouldn't, you know, isn't part of our game plan. I felt like no one, I felt like the only person could beat us was ourselves. I felt like no one, I didn't think, I, I just didn't think anyone could beat us. Well, you I didn't right. think Calvert was going to miss. I'm like, Calvert doesn't even miss. I'm like, you know, <laughs> so I'm like how's somebody going to beat us? He doesn't miss. It's like, you know. So, well, you get to 12 and 0 in the Big Ten, and now Purdue is coming to Indiana. And. It's a regular practice before Purdue, and I'm sure you hate even thinking about this, but we can't talk about this season without talking about what happens to you in that practice, which, of mm -hmm. course, changes the course of, of the season. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want to say about, you know, your injury and, and, and kind of what happened? And just mentally, you know, you talked about how state championship loss, you were not happy about Mr. Basketball in the state, which you believed in, and most people believe you had earned at least co-Mr. Basketballs, then the Duke game the year before, and now this stroke of terrible luck. Uh -huh. um, mentally, where were you? Oh, man. I guess that night, I was just hoping it wasn't an ACL, I guess. Mm -hmm. But... Um... But did you know, kind of in your head, you thought? I kind of knew when I started doing that jerking my knee around type thing. I knew something was wrong. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is not good. And um, I knew something was wrong when I landed. You know, it was almost like a shh. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, that wasn't that wasn't good. And I wasn't even doing anything. I was just jumping to catch a pass. You mm -hmm. know, Red Grandma threw me a pass. I jumped to get it, and I was going to land. I was going to go back, back up and shoot. And when I landed, it, my, my knee just went. I was just really, really weird. Um yeah, and it was just uh, it's kind of a blur, a kind of a blur from, from then. Um, you know, was down there looking at it, tuned to the training room. You know, the showers on crutches, and I remember Coach Knight saying, "Just walk on it, don't just walk on it." And I was like, "All right, man, I'm trying, man." It's like, you know, like it kind of hurts a little bit, you know. And so, but uh, but um, you know, it was just a really Really tough night. And I remember going back at the time I was living at the Kappa Alpha Psi house. And uh, the guy was like, man, what's going on? What happened? Blah, blah. Everybody was just real concerned. And it was coming across ESPN. And uh, yeah, it was just really bad. It was just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like one of those things with a lot of tears, um, a lot of fear, um, especially like that next day, especially after it was confirmed. It was a lot of crying. Um, sure. You know, and not just about the season, but just about my future, you know. And I right. still feel like it changed my future because I feel like I was more athletic before it happened. I feel like I would have played more like a three instead of a four, really, and my ultimate where I would have wound up. But uh, it was a lot of crying, like, can I get, you know, man, can I, is there any chance I can get back to help us this year? Am I going to be able to play again? Will I ever be the same player? Can I heal it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just a lot of just, a lot of just random thoughts going and a lot of tears. And I remember being in the training room crying. I remember Coach Knight comforting me. And, mm. um, you know, but he kind of just let me have my moment. You mm -hmm. know, he wasn't like, quit crying, toughen up, blah, blah. You know, he, 
we'll get to that later, you know. But at that moment, he kind of just let me have my moment. Was trying to comfort me, and I was just really upset. And yeah, yeah it's a tough. It's tough memories, man. It really is because we had worked so hard to get uh, to get in that position where we, you know, I didn't think we would have lost again for the rest of the year. That's just how I felt about us. So. Yeah, we, we all felt the same way, and I wonder how much that helps. That along with Scott May breaking his wrist in the '75 season. There's no other injury that's talked about more in the history of Indiana University basketball. And there is just such complete belief that that was a championship team and, and that we all feel that was. But, but because of that injury, like the refs in the Duke game, deprived you guys of what was rightfully yours, uh, a sixth banner, if not seven. Um, does, that, does that help? knowing that everybody loves that team and still believes that team was the best in the country 30 years later, or is it still just disappointing? It's disappointing. It's painful, actually. Mm -hmm. um, like every year the tournament rolls around, I keep thinking one year it's going to change or I might not think about as much and somebody starts talking about it and somebody will call me and somebody will remind me, like, oh, man, yeah. That, and you're watching the kids play, it's like, man, that really hurt. That's just uh, – you know, it's a painful memory, but then, you know, as you get older and, you know, as I've grown, I've grown in my faith. I know there's a reason it happened, even if I don't know why it happened. There's a reason it happened. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would have, I don't know. Maybe something worse would have happened if I'd have been playing. Maybe I would have something fell on my head or something next game or so. I don't right. know. Who knows? Uh, but no, it's just, it's painful because you really feel like, and you can't ever say for sure, but boy, was I confident that no one could beat us. I mean, it was just a feeling. I was like, I don't see how anybody could beat us. I mean, <laughs> we still almost went through that, through the tournament, and I wouldn't even know. I mean, we still almost, we were that good. Yeah. I mean, um, well, but no, I, it's just painful. You really want, you really kind of wonder, like, what would have happened had we won that tournament? Like, what, what would have happened after that? Right. But I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. You know? It, it, it's, if we had won another one? Would I have would I have tried to go pro that year? Right. I don't know. You know, what I'm saying, who knows what would have happened? You know. Well, here's yeah. what I do know. Mm -hmm. Look, your legacy at Indiana. It, it, we went over the the accomplishments, mm -hmm. and they are, I mean, unmatched. They they are just simply incredible. But nothing is more legacy defining than you coming back that year and trying to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was there in St. Louis at that Kansas Elite Eight game. My parents, we went to the game. That's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. It didn't make any worldly sense that you could be back on that court to even try. And 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 I didn't think about this. Allowed today. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't. But, but Alan, beyond not even being allowed, what wouldn't be allowed is you would have handlers around you going, you've got an NBA future to think about. This doesn't matter. This is just college. This is just warm-up. I mean, there are guys that sprain their ankle and don't play college ball now because they're protecting what could be NBA. But you bust your ass to come back to try to give the team anything they could. And I'm telling you, I get goosebumps thinking about it. That to me is who you were and who you are to, and what you mean to Indiana fans. I will never forget that as long as I live that effort. Can you just talk about 
the decision to even try to do it, and then ultimately getting back on the court. Um, obviously, you were not who you were, who you are, and who you became. But walk us through just the decision and the the pain and work it took to do that. Yeah, well, thanks for saying all that. Appreciate that. Um, you know, for me, it was okay. First, it was like, okay, how do we fix this? What what what's next? Can you fix? Who's going to fix me? How are we going to fix this knee? And now, when can I play again? What's what's that process? So we went through the process trying to figure out, you know, where I'm going to get the surgery, when I'm going to get the surgery, and it ended up. Um, we ended up using uh, Dr. Shelburne in Indianapolis, who I think at the time, ironically, was might have been a Purdue doctor. I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh, he was supposed, you know, he was really good at what he did. So we said, okay, well, Dr. Shelburne, what do you think? And he said, well, for, to get the best outcome, we really like to see you get your knee stronger. You know, let's get the, let's get all this swelling out. Let's see how strong we can get it, and I think that's going to help you have the quickest, uh, best recovery after the surgery. So I'm like, all right. So I knew it was going to be some time. So I'm thinking, okay, so what are the odds that, I, that something, what else could happen? Like, what could I do? So if I play, if I was able to get back to try to move around on it, am I going to hurt it more? I think that's kind of how the discussion went. And it went to, you know what, no, we can put a brace on it and we'll, uh, you know, we'll protect it like that. We'll get it strong and, you know, we'll see what happens. So I was like, all right. So we so we got the swelling out, kept working on it, kept training with it. And I'm working with Tim Garl, doing leg exercises and all kind of stuff. Um, you know, Tim's still there. He's um, I just love how hard he works for the guys. He's been doing yes. it forever, seems like. And um, so he helped me get it going. We got it stronger. We're doing all this. We go out there and we doing drills on the court, and I'm starting to dunk again. I'm able to jump and it still feels funny. It doesn't, it doesn't feel regular, you know, <laughs> at all. It still hurts. You know, it doesn't feel regular. It feels weak. It still doesn't feel great. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could get in here for a few minutes. Maybe I could get a couple of rebounds, a couple of putbacks, play some defense. Maybe I could, maybe I could help if, if, if possible. So that was kind of the thinking. Like, can I give us anything if needed? It was more like that. It wasn't like I'm going to come back and try and give you 15 and 10, you know, because I, well, I don't know. I don't think I was thinking that. But that's not really what, <laughs> what the purpose was. It was can I get in and give any minutes anywhere to help can i do anything to help and that was kind of the the process you know i wanted to be a part of it you know it, it was special I, I just wanted to be a part of it so i did everything i could to get back and once i got in my head well it's already torn not too much worse that could happen now that's kind of was my now i don't know if that's correct if that's <laughs> correct now or not i don't know but that was my thought process with it and i rolled with it well i mean it was like i said Obviously, you want to win every game and you want to win the tournament. But the, seeing you out there, mm -hmm. what that meant to Indiana fans, what clearly that team meant to you, what that had to mean to your teammates, um, it was remarkable. It was a remarkable thing. And nobody who watched that team or college basketball had any doubt who the best team in the country was. I think Indiana even ended up being ranked in one of the polls number one at the end of the season. Yes. Um, be because we knew. Yeah, um, well, and it's funny you talk about that game, and as hard as I was playing, right? And talk about how hard we get coached. Halftime of the Kansas game, the lead eight. Yeah, I'm getting yelled at. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not here on one knee. I'm giving you all I got right now. I'm something about a rebound or something else or a monster. You got to get more rebounds. I'm like. 
what is happening right now? You know, I was like, <laughs> like, really? So that's one memory I have of that game. I'm like, man, I don't know. And I'll tell you right now, that didn't feel very good. That's no. one time I remember that didn't feel good. Like, you know, most time I just let it kind of roll off. But that was when I was like, that didn't feel so good right there. Did but, did uh, that give you any pause in that off season to like, look, you're recovering from knee surgery now. Did you think about like, do I need to go somewhere else? I did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not in the off season, but kind of right there as the season was ending. Cause I was yeah. like, I'm gonna have to miss a year. I'm at the later year anyway, blah, blah, blah. I kind of went through that process, but then, you know, I didn't want to make an emotional decision, but I'm not going to lie that I didn't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, sure. You're a human but, being. Yeah. All right. Uh, wait, before, before we, we move on. Uh, look, it's my favorite team, favorite season ever. I got to be there at senior night uh, when the, the SmackDown was put on on Michigan State. Um, you guys finish at 17 and one. Obviously, it would have been 18 and zero if if you had stayed healthy. And it was such a special night for a special team, special season. And and I guess I kind of get like to get your thoughts on it in terms of this this class of guys you're about to lose, led by Calbert. Like, what did they what did they and do they mean to you? And then, of course, how sad was it to see him go? It was super sad to see him go. I mean, not just because we were losing about to lose so much talent. It was just like they were the guys that kind of showed me the ropes. They showed me what I was supposed to do. I could I could. I could look to them to see like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what, this is what's expected of me. This is how I get better. This is what you, this is what, this, this is, you know, this is what I should be doing. And um, I think that's the sad part. Cause you grow, you grow to be friends with these people. You get used to seeing, you get to seeing these guys all the time. And, you know, whether you're hanging out with them every single person every day, no, but you know, you could, you know, cause you know everybody well enough to, and everybody is friendly and, talk so you just miss these guys you know how hard everybody worked and you know what we were trying to do and so you're hoping at that point you're hoping man i hope that we can get get done what we really wanted to do that's kind of that's kind of what i was thinking at the end of the year that i hope that this i hope that my injury does not derail what we were trying to do like i hope we can still get this done you know and i didn't care if i'm a part of it or not a part if i played didn't play i just wanted to get it done like i'd have been as happy if i'd have if i'd have played 15, 20 minutes and we won, or if I played, didn't play at all and it was in street clothes and we won, I'd have had the same amount of joy and just um, appreciation for, for winning the title. So that's what it was all about. So I think that's probably what was going through my mind. And it was also just um, being amazed, especially at what, um, uh, what Calvary had accomplished, um, which was just, uh, I mean, it's just incredible what he did. I mean, the way he played and the way he carried himself and the way I don't know. The guy could get 30 and you wouldn't even know after the game. You know, it's like, mm. oh yeah, yeah, good game. Yeah, oh yeah, good game. It's like, really? Oh, you just got you just got you just got 30. You missed two shots tonight, man. You know, that's all you got for me. Like, I, I like, yeah, you know, that's just so calm and just so humble about everything he was doing. It was just um, it was just really, really fun to be a part of. And you you know, and you got guys like Greg Graham out there that could, you know, just shooting the lights out and just, you know, just quietly going about his business and uh I don't know. It was just a fun, it was just, they were just fun guys to be around. And, um, you know, I knew I was going to miss them, you know, from our, you know, spades games on the road and just, 
you know, and just everything else. But but at that time, I'm thinking, let's go ahead and let's make this nice run. Let's finish with this nice run, I guess, is really what was on my mind. I, I got to say, you talk about a reason why something happens. Mm-hmm. Look, the amazing thing about your team, again, to, to bring up the point we talked about before, you go down mm-hmm. and several people step up, mm-hmm. not the least of which is Greg Grant. Mm-hmm. Greg becomes one of the best players in the country at that point. Calbert says he was the best player in the country from that point on those last few games. That gets Greg Graham a first-round draft pick in the NBA draft. That may not have happened if you didn't have your injury and Greg had to step up. Brian Evans has to be thrust into a bigger role. And Brian, we've talked to several times, who talks about, like, how hard it was because he knew like he couldn't rebound like you. He couldn't do the things you could do. He could shoot it. He could shoot it. Mm-hmm. But but Brian finds a a, a confidence, you mm-hmm. know, that year that then helps propel him into the next year and ultimately leads him to Big Ten player of the year his senior year. Sure. So some of those things may not happen if in that moment those people weren't forced to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, so some good comes out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Alan, listening to you talk about Calbert. Mm-hmm. is how I think all of us would talk about you, the same thing, like how you carried yourself, the way you represented yourself, your family, Indiana, the way you have continued to do so since your time there, the way I follow you on social media. When you have something to say, you say it. When you have something to say about what's going right or wrong in the world, you say it. Mm-hmm. And and that team is so beloved because we just had so many guys of high character and you're at the top of the list there. Mm-hmm. I it's 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 three o'clock now, and I know you and I talked about this being an hour. We are now pushing two hours, and we've only gotten to the first two years of your IU career. What I would love to do yeah. is wrap this one up, and yeah. then sometime in the future, maybe not two years from now, do another uh, part and do a part two. Hopefully, you see this wasn't as bad as you thought it might be. No, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, <laughs> I have, you know, Part of it also is I have so many games in my head I played and so many different things. It's like, sometimes it's like, okay, I remember this part, that part. Yes. Yeah. Like, remember this, am I remember that? Yeah. But it, it's just, a, it's just a lot. And sometimes I like talking about it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's some tough parts that, you know, that aren't, that aren't the most enjoyable to talk about. And uh, sure. I don't know. So probably was a combination of that, but it's, it's, I've, I, I've definitely enjoyed talking with, talking with you both. And uh, well, brought back. I- Brought back a lot of brought back a lot of memories and a lot of memories of a lot of good times that that definitely um, overshadow all the um, in the tough moments. Well, well, and and for us, and I said this is my favorite team, my favorite players, and I wouldn't be sitting here in my mid forties doing the two hundredth episode of this podcast, being so honored for you to join us for it. If it hadn't been for your teams like that is, I remember 87 and that was really cool as like a little kid, but the formative years, this was it. You guys were it and nothing, you know, injuries, shitty refereeing, nothing can diminish like my love for you, those players, those teams. And I can tell you this after 200 episodes, there are so many people who feel the same way. Well, I appreciate it. And yeah, we, I mean, some great fans, man. It's just, uh, I know so we got, we have great fans, um, a little greedy, a little greedy sometimes. <laughs> or, or mo- or we got time. spoiled. We you got know, spoiled. Yeah, spoiled, greedy, everyone to come by, whatever you want to call it. But, but I mean, it's great fans. It, it really is. It really, um, 
you know, support, support you. And uh, I mean, I run into so many fans all the time that just really just have different memories about it or enjoy different parts of it. And, you know, it's just nice to be, nice to be a part of bringing some joy to someone just by, by playing a game we love and, um, and to be, to be appreciated feels good. Well, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm emotional about this interview. I love talking to you. I love hearing your story. Um, like I said, your, your numbers are unmatched. Your on the court accomplishments are unrivaled and yet they are all surpassed by the way that you have presented yourself and carried yourself over the years and what you have meant to Indiana basketball is beyond any numbers could, could show. So thank you, Alan. Can't no. wait to do part two. I won't bother you as much about it, but thank you. Yeah, thank we'll do you, part two you. on number 400. It'll be part two, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a guest. That was a guest. I mean it, Ward. There were moments during that two hours that I was emotional, that I cannot think of a better conversation to have for our 200th episode than with this gentleman who is so engaging and likable and, mm -hmm. and still has this like youthful innocence about the game and his love of the game. And when he talks about like how it was just so much fun, it was just so much fun. And it, it just filled me with emotion. I was just so happy that he's a Hoosier. And, and um, yeah, I mean, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with Alan because of the injury and, and how that, that second year ended. Eric, that was Alan Henderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, that yeah. was Alan Henderson. We're talking about one of the greatest players in Indiana University history. And to be able to spend that time with him was, was not only insightful and enlightening, but I, I just, it was such a pleasure and it was such an honor and it just made me feel like a little kid again and, and take you back to that time and place where, look, you know, we're 12, 13 years old and, and there's still a, a lot of innocence in our lives. And, and it was so simple back then, Indiana university basketball uh, and nothing else matters. And uh, the, the love for those guys somehow only grows with the passing of time. And then you get to meet these guys in, in this setting where it's all about, hey, could we just talk to you for like hours on end about your experience playing basketball for Indiana University? It is a dream come true. And to your point, what a wonderful way to commemorate our 200th ep episode. I'm telling you, man, I'm getting teary-eyed right now because there is meaning in this stuff. There is meaning that we have found in our lives through Indiana basketball. It has connected us to our fathers. We, we, You and I have had the pleasure of being back in Bloomington together with our dads. Mm -hmm. It has connected us as friends and, and a lifelong relationship because of this thing that we share. It has given us other friends that we went to school with or that we've met through this podcast that mm -hmm. will be lifelong friends. It has given me moments with my kids, with my brother, with my sister. We find meaning in this stuff and there is meaning in it. And when you meet somebody like Alan, who was such a big part, like you have said, of those formative teams for so many of us, 
you know, that if you are between the ages of what, like 42 and 50, you know, maybe 55, but, but 55, you probably remember the 87 team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a pretty narrow window, but it's, it's our generation. It's our class, if you will. But it's also, I would say also more to the older generation it's also the last great era of Indiana basketball. Very good. Point. Okay, with or without a banner, it is the last great era of IU basketball, and so we share that with the people that we love, and and we find meaning in it. And Allen was such a crucial part of it, and more than just the basketball, it was that he was an he was deciding between Stanford, Duke, and Indiana. He's a yeah. genius. Like there was talk yeah. about that he would be pre-med, you know? He yeah. talked about being a student and how cool that was. He loved just being a Hoosier. He yeah. loved the experience <laughs> of it. I love imagining that moment of him and Evans sitting together contemplating just being IU students and yeah. how great it would be. And yeah. that they they bolted out the door before they thought too much more about it. Yeah, man, can you imagine how fun this would be? I wanted to tell him at the time. We lived that, Alan. It's not as good as what you had. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah, I don't it know. It was though. great. It was great. It was our path was much easier. Yeah, but his, uh, but I'll take his. His I'll take more his. legendary. Yeah, I just look when we started this. It's like there were a few Mount Rushmore people for us. You know, Calbert was clearly on that list. Isaiah was on that list. Alfred was on that list. Allen was on that list. Damon was on that list. We haven't talked to Damon, but getting Allen for this episode. 200 four years after we started it and just hearing him walk through just playing the municipal garden stuff you know and playing against all those guys in the fab five and how hard it was and how tiring it was and how calbert carried himself and what that team meant to each other and how sad it was for him to lose those guys at the end i love that you asked that question god i just it just reaffirms my love of this thing. It does. Well, and what's crazy is to have that love and fan fanhoodum, fan fandom, fandomness. Fandomness. I think just fandom works. But that's been done. We're trying oh, sure. to Sure, yeah, no, go ahead and create a word. word. Fandomness. <laughs> without really knowing the guy. Like a few clips of a few interviews spread out over decades that to actually get to know the human being, the personality and being so delighted by it, being like, man, this is just a fun guy to talk to, regardless of the subject matter being something we're so deeply passionate about. And that's where uh, we've talked about it before, you know, don't meet your heroes, you know, unless they're IU legends, which turn out to be pretty fantastic people. And another example of the night guys. Mm hmm that can spin a yarn and can talk about anything and have such great big personalities and high character, but engaging and, and humor, humor, like humor, with, obviously without even trying. Alan's just a funny guy with a good sense of humor and thoughtful. Like he, we would ask a question and he would, I hope you, for those of you that aren't pigs members, please sign up so you can see the video of this. Cause you'll see moments of him just contemplating it, like really thinking about it. Like, I love that. He's both instinctive on things and then thoughtful on, on others. I just love him.
and and you're right. Like I have not seen, even in doing the research for this, there aren't that many long form interviews with him at all. There's no. a couple I found with the Atlanta Hawks that are like three and four minute interviews. Yeah. You know, nothing. That, and that's what I was thinking of having seen some of those and doing the research and being like, we get to be the ones who get to do this with them. And you worked your ass off building <laughs> trust for a very long time to get it to that point. And, but and I didn't it was, realize it till today, Ward, what, what it was. It's hard for him. Yeah. Those moments it. are hard. And, yeah. and there's no getting around. There's no talking about the good stuff without ending up there in that low moment, which, which impacted his life at Indiana and, in his, in his words, affected his career going forward. Yeah, yeah. And so I get... I get how it's hard to drudge all that up. I do. I, I understand it. I respect it. Well, and I think the the collective sadness of the Indiana fan base, as much joy as those years brought to us, even with the 75 team, they got the ultimate redemption the next year. Unfortunately, Woody couldn't be there because uh, he just graduated, but the 80 team, a lot of those guys got it all in 81. And so this was, you know, this group of players that absolutely belongs in the pantheon of those championship teams, but there isn't the happy ending there. And, and we, we haven't, we haven't had one since, you know, and, and so it's like the, oh, what could have been, what should have been. And we're still here waiting 30 years later to finally hang a sixth that we should have had in 92 and maybe a seventh in 93. Yeah. Um, I mean, just Calbert, Allen, Nover, Greg Graham, Chris Reynolds, Chris. Well, we, I was thinking of the guys we've talked to Jamal. Oh, yeah. Well, and Chris Reynolds is, is another target. Did you say no, Pat Chris won't do it? Oh, he won't. He won't. I ever, he, he said, no, not not I'll give you the 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 reason I I don't think we've talked about this. So Chris has been responsive and we we went back and forth. But he ultimately said he's the athletic director of Bradley and he is on the very small basketball selection committee. Mm. And he said that he just doesn't feel right to go on any school's interview. He doesn't do any of them because he doesn't want ever there to be an appearance that he's showing favoritism for one school or another. And he clearly has a lot of love for Indiana, but doesn't think it's right in his position of picking schools for the tournament that God forbid Indiana's on the bubble one year. And they're like, Oh, see, he's doing these interviews with Indiana guys. So yeah. I respect that from yeah. Chris. Hopefully one day, Maybe Dolson retires. He comes back to Indiana as our athletic director, and then he can be episode um, eight hundred. Right, exactly. So, um, but but I just we have been so fortunate to talk to a handful of guys from that era. Virtually all of the guys from the twelve thirteen era. A handful of guys. Really, I mean, have we talked to the whole starting five for the eighty seventeen? No, not Ricky Calloway because he right. transferred, but. Keith, Steve, and not Daryl, obviously. Right. Dean. Dean. Um, and then going back to 81, we've gotten Isaiah and we've gotten Tolbert and we got Landon Turner. And then going back to 76, you know, you've got, you know, obviously Quinn for, for other reasons, I think wants to stay behind the scenes and Scott doesn't do interviews, but we've gotten, you know, some of the guys on that team too. 
um, it's just really special. And and you're right, Allen and Calbert and that team belong in that conversation, banner or no banner. A hundred percent. And look, and we should give a shout out to the, the you know, the Cody Vic team because they had a really fun, exciting uh, season the, the year before. And the O2 team. And the O2 team that and went the to the championship team, game. Though that wasn't, you know, it's, I, I guess, I guess because the, the Calbert graduating class, it did feel like the end of an era. Totally. Right? It, it where, was. Where, where it was. we had a couple of great seasons with a couple of great teams since then, but it wasn't, it wasn't this, you know, this class that came in and lit the world on fire for the better part of four seasons that, um, you know, just laid waste to the Big Ten, much in the fashion of the mid-70s teams. That's that's why there's that. Well, look, 1991 Big Ten Championship, lost five games that year, went to the Sweet 16. 91-92, compete for a Big Ten Championship, go to the Final Four. 92-93, crush the Big Ten in a historic year, best season since the 76 team, and go to the Elite Eight, and and obviously without the Allen injury, are, are a shoe-in for the Final Four. So it was an era of Indiana basketball, to be sure, and there has not been another one like it. There hasn't even yeah. been one that's approached it. The O2 team was a great singular run at the right. end of a year. They mm-hmm. did win the Big Ten, but they won the Big Ten with like four teams at a really shitty record, but they won the Big Ten. And then the Cody Vick year was one good year. And then the Thomas Bryant year was one good year. It was not an era. Um, so I just love the guy. He, he, like I said, he just reaffirms my love of Indiana basketball and the players behind it. It kills me a little bit uh, that we didn't get to ask him about what's going on in Bloomington right now, because I, I would just really like to hear his insight on, on what Woody is building has built, what he thinks the team looks like this year. Um, but you know, maybe, I, maybe for I part- did read something recently that he, he had a quote where he really likes what's going on. He really, and I, I do wonder also, we'll talk to him on the next one and it won't be episode 400. Um, his relationship with Woody, because there's obviously an Atlanta connection there right? as well. Both spent a lot of time in Atlanta. And so I'm sure there's, and, and both longtime guys in the NBA whose paths as coach and player crossed. So I would love to get into that as well. Well, and it is lovely to know Allen's back home and hopefully uh, he won't be a stranger in the locker room. I don't know if he's gotten to talk to the guys much yet, but having spent two hours talking to him just now. And when you talk about somebody who's doing it the right way for all the right reasons, um, but because of bad luck, he's got these, these painful memories uh, and, and basically goals unfulfilled. How great would it be for the players on this year's team, whether it be trace Jackson Davis or, or these, these freshmen to hear from Allen in terms of not taking anything for granted, whether it be their health or the camaraderie this team this year seems to have, which clearly was such a huge part of those early 90s teams, of them just really liking each other. That is a big, big deal. And look, when he said they went and saw Jelly's Last Jam in New York, my mind immediately went to Coach Woody taking this team to see Kevin Hart. And to yes. see Mike Epps in Indianapolis and Absolutely. these kind of bonding activities. And Cliff Marshall does a lot of it with fishing, you mm-hmm. know, at Lake Monroe. And um, 
Yeah, man, I just, I don't know if you did this, but I went back and just watched so many clips of those teams. I mean, I watched that Michigan game at Michigan. It's just, they were, they were the perfect basketball team. They were, they had everything on that team. It, the only thing that was painful about looking at some of that in particular was the outside shooting. Because for all our expectations for this year, it's like, oh, man, like. Oh, you're saying it because it was so good then. It was so good then. It was you have so... Alan Henderson shooting at like 60 percent, shooting 17 footers. Yeah. You know, and and Calbert didn't miss. And 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 the grand skill level, the skill level was off the charts, man. And, yeah. and the basketball IQ. I'm glad Alan mentioned that Damon Bailey is maybe the smartest player that's ever played basketball. I mean, he's just such a smart player. But so is Alan Henderson, and so is Calbert Cheney, and so is Greg Graham, and so is Chris Reynolds, and so is Pat Graham. I mean, it is ridiculous. But you're right. The outside shooting, it looks like the the rim is like the size of a hula hoop. <laughs> yeah. Right? It yeah. just feels like every one that is launched, you are shocked if it doesn't go in. Yeah. Yeah, it it was um, such a fun era, and it's so fun to relive it. And I I do uh, have expectations for this year for sure. And it's a different team in different ways, but it it does give you a bit of a heat check as far as expectations go. Of like, okay, you know, we're like, hopefully, two of our guys will be able to hit shots today outside of fifteen feet. Um, but look, I, it, it doesn't diminish at all my, uh, excitement for this no, season. It, it, and I, what I think, and I'm sure people will argue cause it's 30 years ago now. Mm-hmm. I think that team wins the national championship this year going away. Yeah. I, when I watched North Carolina over this weekend or Gonzaga or Duke, I'm like, it is n- I get that there's some individual players that have more talent than maybe some of the individual players back then, but the teams did not play that kind of basketball. I mean, it was just perfect basketball. They were so connected. Um, It just doesn't exist anymore. Ward, happy 200th. Happy 200th, Eric. Thanks for starting this ride, man, four years ago. It's been a fun one. Let's stay on it for a little bit longer. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for getting Allen for number 200. This will keep a pep in our step for a while. Thank you to Alan. Follow us, as always, on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics. For the hysterics, no E, no I. But But the sometimes sometimes why. When we started this, did you ever think that there was a legitimate possibility that the Hoosier Hysterics podcast would outlast Twitter, the company? From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait.
Auto Trader.